This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. I'm Jared Bellick. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now but to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order of release. This week, we're in a strange European country and learning about film craft from film mm. masters. As we're finishing up Spine 2 Await in the Criterion Collection, the film, a film trilogy? I don't know. I still don't know what the, this thing's called. The what? Yeah. Uh, Ingmar Bergman. This mm-hmm. week, we look at Spine 211 and 212 in the collection. The <clears throat> Silence from 1963, mm-hmm. and Ingmar Bergman makes a movie from 1962, directed by Vilgot Hulman. But by who? first... RJ, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, how's, how's it going this week? I mean, I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, how how are those new headphones working out? I mean, I can hear you with extreme clarity, and are, it feels more like a curse than a blessing. Is your head being squished in? Uh, not quite yet. I mean, it's snug, but you know, you know what they say, like what Temple Grandin says. Sometimes people like being like squished, like, like a cow. it makes, yeah, like a cow it makes you feel comfortable. Yeah, that there's a Temple Grandin movie on HBO. You want to watch it? I'm good. I've seen that. I've seen that Errol Morris episode on her. What's that one about? Cows? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. These uh, flashy new uh, Lamborghini red headphones are uh, coming in handy this week. Charged them up and everything. Ready to roll. Are you wireless? Uh, I I didn't have time to set it up, so I just plugged in the wire, which is a, a very nice feature that it's an option. Well, it prevents you from wandering away. That's I guess. Good. Well, I guess you could walk away and still listen to me. Actually, uh, there was a request. Uh, I think we can make it a Patreon goal. Um, Andrea says I should podcast from bed one day. Mm-hmm. And she's like, maybe you could be like that guy you like, you know, that Joe Bob. And I was like, ooh, what about Joe Bob? And she's like, you could just watch movies in bed and live stream it. And I was like, yeah, people pay <laughs> enough money. I'll do anything. That's always been our oh. motto, right? Um. Well... Is is that the was it just for fans or only fans? Only fans. Yeah, we can get that if there's interest. I'll I'll, mm-hmm. I'll start one. Up. Yeah, you're looking for yeah. work. Yeah, uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, headphones are good. I am one and a half boxes down, my man, mm-hmm. of that uh, Razor Brand uh, Crunch. That is disappointing to hear. What do you think I'd be done already? Well, that's what it sounded like. I know I built it up you, quite a bit, but both you uh, boost boast bolts you boasted. You boasted well, about how much you'd eat and one and a half, huh? Let, that seems so reasonable. Up, let's just say two. Okay. Because it's like, I mean, like, you know how like a half, what's left would be one bowl probably of the second box. Uh, yeah, a, a baylog bowl. A baylog bowl. Yeah. So speaking of your baylog bowls or bowels even, how is a, how did you kind of relax to the sweet sounds of surf Nazis last week? Uh, yes. Yes, I did, RJ. Okay. Enough said. Enough said. Nice. Well, what's going on with you? You doing any weird stuff over there? Weird, weird stuff? Not yeah. really. You know what I know what I did do? What on Friday? What? I, I made a Belogian mac and cheese. Okay, now you, I saw the end result, but you didn't conference with me before. So did you follow the instructions correctly? You mean the what you just said to do on the podcast? Is yeah, it, is that okay, not a recipe? Give me give me a play by play. What did you do? How did you do it? <laughs> well. Uh, Boiled some macaroni. Nice, nice. And then, uh, you know, strained that. And then yeah, d- yeah. dumped this uh, Alfredo sauce mm-hmm. right on top of it. The, mm-hmm. one, I think uh, there was a little bit of heating it up beforehand. Yeah, so 
if you followed my instructions correctly, You're not you get a little instructions. Yep. You you get a little saucepan and you put the Alfredo in that, yep. and that's what you melt your cheese in. So if you mm. if you grate up a bunch of cheese, like however much you want, I think we usually do like three cups or something. You put that in there, it melts, and then you pour that onto the the mac, and then you put that in the casserole dish. I see. Is that similar to what you did, no. or did you uh, you freestyled? Freestyled. And then and then what? Did you put a little cheese on top? Yep. And, and some then panko. what? And some panko. Did you uh, hit it with some jalapenos or anything crazy like that? Just mushrooms. 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 Yeah. My God. All right, all right, all right. And? It was okay. Probably want to try it again at some point. Maybe uh, maybe next time you call me and I'll, I'll walk <laughs> you through it play-by-play. Play. Right. Well, you got the play-by-play play headphones now. I do have the play-by-play headphones. They have buttons on them and stuff. So if I want, I can just mute you. Cool. And I'll never hear from you again. I wish. I wish. Well, I'm I'm glad that you tried. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, my disappointment is immeasurable, but uh, you did try at least. Right. You know. So what are you going to make next of my classic dinner? Well, what else you got for me here? Do you want to try that thing that everyone thinks is crazy with the macaroni and hot dog and V8 juice? <laughs> so lay it out again. Okay, so you boil some macaroni <laughs> and you put it in so a pot. You, I find that a lot of your things are boil some macaroni. Well, the mac and cheese thing that we make, it uh, we usually use like – we don't usually use mac like elbow macaroni. It's whatever like noodle we have. So sometimes they're like Scooby-Doo's. You ever get Scooby-Doo's? No. They're like squiggles. Those are pretty good in there. Okay, so you boil some macaroni, Jared, and then you get like eight to twelve eggs, and you you whip them, and then once you drain the macaroni, you put the egg. Oh, you got to put the chopped up hot dogs in the macaroni too, and then you put the egg on real low heat, and then it's gonna it's gonna cook together, and it'll be in clumps of macaroni and hot dog, and then you open up a can of V8 juice, and you just pour that on top. <clears throat> It's good. Hmm. That one might be a little bit big league. If you want, I can make that and maybe uh, <laughs> send it your way. Andrea doesn't like when I make it, though, so I haven't been able to make it for a while. Um, what sounds a lot better than that is still... Uh, uh, Just food? Made some chicken fried rice from yeah, how, scratch. How, how'd that uh, go? Awesome. Yeah. Watched a, an egg in there? I sure did. Watched a, a nice little video this woman did, did about uh, better than takeout or something like that. And mm. I watched this and I was like, that's so simple. I could definitely do that. And mm -hmm. uh, that I did. That I did. And uh, the results were stellar. Here's the real question. Was it better than takeout? It, uh, it was definitely, it tasted healthier and still good. So better than takeout? Yes. Because you can just make it and it doesn't cost like $20 for mm. fried rice. Not bad. Because there's not definitely bad. there's definitely not that much value in your that food. Yeah. Other not than you really. don't have to make it. And you don't have to, yeah. We made a cheesy gordita crunches two nights ago. You ever have one of those? I can't say as I've had. Do you know what they are, though? Mm. It's a taco bell thing where it's a hard taco, and then you have a soft taco with melted cheese stuck on the outside. Okay. We make them at home now because it's awesome because uh, when you're eating a hard taco, you know how it always just crumbles and falls away? doesn't do it like that. So we, we get these soft corn tortillas. We put them on the like the flat top thing <laughs> and we melt some cheese on it. Mm -hmm. And then we put the hard taco and we fold it around 
and then we make our tacos. It's pretty pretty good here. Yeah. Can it have I interested you? Um It seems like I would choose one or the other. Tell me something like a protein or a carb that you want to eat and I'll give you a wicked recipe for it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, you can think about it. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Also made brownies. How'd those go? Pretty good. Pretty Do good. you like a soft brownie or a chewy brownie? Uh, I think chewy is the way to go. Same. Yeah. yeah. So when you make your, so this is like obviously the the baking boys podcast. Ooh, I like that too. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, when you do your brownies, do you use use cocoa? Yeah, I think so. I think co- like just that cocoa powder and yeah, then fries. Uh, yeah. Um, I think one time we uh we were like taking a dance on the wild side and we uh we got that like really fancy cocoa powder. I can't remember what that is, but uh, that and then um she what do we do i don't know something else there's well, another kind have, of chocolate have, in well there. have you ever like actually used just chocolate and butter uh well see that's what i think i think andrea did that once like she we had a bunch of dark chocolate and i yep. think she melted that yeah and then put that in there somehow but um i don't know maybe maybe she did it is that what you did did you melt it from scratch yep and what kind of chocolate bar did you use? Did you go to Bulk Barn and uh, just get... Milk chocolate, like chips. Ooh. Ooh. And? Uh, pretty good results. Still chewy days later. Hmm. Hmm. And, what are you going to do and, with and them? Then, and eat them. And then you talk... Oh, okay. But then the thing is, uh, discover that today, you put a little bit of uh, like that like caramel sauce, that schmuckers... Mm. Put a little bit what do you mean schmuckers? schmuckers? Schmuckers caramel? Yeah. Okay. That stuff that you put on ice cream? Well, yeah. it, it can go on anything, RJ. Schmuckers caramel? That's right. And you put a little bit of that on top of that brownie. You put a little bit of coarse salt. Hmm. Oh, man. Um. You should uh, just t- text uh, Andrea and tell her to get started on that. Well, I mean, shit. She should be making me some snacks. A woman make me a snack. <laughs> You're gonna see just like a chair fly in here. Oh well, whatever. Oh, wow. It's all in good fun, right? No. Yeah. Well, littling. What? It looks like we've got only two emails. Only two? Only two. Any females? Nope. I'm always gonna ask. You know that, right? First up, Jackson. Actium Jackson Maximus, with an one e- and the same? With an email entitled, Return of the Jack. Ooh, or what kind of Jack? Jack's back. More like Jack crack, Jack, like a butt crack. Jack attack. You get it. Hey, creeps. Uh. Sorry, I haven't emailed in recently, but being a big school boy, I always manage to forget to write in at my mm. usual time of Wednesday afternoon. I will nice. say I'm disappointed that in my absence, RJ has still managed to not watch The Long Goodbye, The Silent Partner, <laughs> as well as another Elliot Gould suggestion, California Split. With them leaving mm. the Criterion channel this month, I've been scrambling to watch the epic uh, Jonas Mekis documentaries that was that uh, was curious as to what you guys thought about him. Mm-hmm. Seeing Brackage in one of his films, it brought me back to the glorious by brackage episode and had me curious as to what your thoughts on the experimental genre were overall are there any experimental filmmakers aside from david lynch that you guys admire dearly and finally mm-hmm. i have a suggestion for both of you that i think you'd enjoy sydney lummett's 1988 running on mt keep up the immaculate work 
Axiom Jackson Maximus. Axiom Jackson Maximus. Is that like the Jackson Brown song, uh, Running on Empty? Yeah. Exactly. Was that song written for that movie, or is that movie written for that song? Do you know what I mean? It's a, it's a tall order. Well, I you might have, have to take it. Yeah. yeah. So I've never seen a Jonas Jonas Mekis Mekis film mm. in my entire mm-hmm. life. Good. Uh, looks like he he's from Lithuania and uh, is proud of it. Do you think him and George Hoshmeyer are friends? Perhaps. Well, that's the same neck of the woods. No, it could be his grandpa. I don't know. Like Greta Thunberg. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. Well, he'll have to write in and let us know if uh, if it's real. Experimental film genre. RJ, mm. I'll let you take this one. I mean. <laughs> well, I've been experimenting with film for a long time. So I have this this camera set up in my bathroom right here. Yeah. And it's 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 mostly educational. Um, a lot of people will say that I do it wrong. So I'm just trying to learn. And uh, I mean, I think I could put that in an art museum or like a gallery and people would probably like, I might be praised as the real thing, you know? It's true. Yeah. Uh, I don't really know what experimental filmmaking means. Well, could I you... mean, I, I don't even know if you believe in it. Like, well, does, well does, art do, isn't real. Well, that's what I mean. If art isn't real, I don't know if experimental film is real either. Oh, one of those, hey? Yeah. Well, do you have any favorites that I could like go off of? Uh, I mean, it's, uh, 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 mm. so I'm looking at some lists. I'm looking at some Stan lists. Brackage. So yeah, other than da- old, old Dave Lynch, old mm-hmm. Stan Brackage. You know, you have your obvious uh, basic bitch uh, choices. Your Maya Darren, Maya Darren, mm-hmm. Meshes of the Afternoon. I mean, we've all been there, right? Sure. We got, we got uh, that. We have that Kenneth Anger, Lucifer oh, yeah. Rising. You know RJ's yeah. fave. Uh, don't have to tell Definitely. him about that. Uh, you know, early days of, uh, uh, you know, Bunuel, Louis Bunuel. You, mm. We all know uh, On Chien Andalou, right, RJ? It's one of my favorite movies. Yeah. You go to yeah. the. You go to those twenties. You go to those uh, Dadaist types. Those uh, that uh, Bernard Leger. <laughs> Ballet Ooh. mechanique. RJ's okay. like, I mean, knows that inside and out. These are some of my all-time faves. Mm-hmm. Man yeah. with a movie camera. You know, you love Vertov. Oh, it's Vertov. Shit, man. Me and Vertov are like best dudes. You, you have your 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 thesis about it. Yeah, but not like a real one. Yeah, that was my underground thesis. Well, what about like a great way to pass some time on YouTube? Do you think Thunderpants would fit in that? That's a pretty uh, sure. experimental film. Sure, why not? There is one guy, oh, uh, and I know Jackson's just been watching him too, uh, Takashi Ito. Takashi Miike? Takashi Ito. He's, he makes some pretty fine work. Hmm. What kind of fine? Uh, really good, actual, like really good uh, experimental video stuff. Thunder mm-hmm. from 1982, Ghost from 1984, or... Uh, the tops of my list and uh boxes okay just really cool stuff like where i i watch them at the end of it i'm like i have no idea how they did that and i have to go back mm. and check it out experimental film there's a i guess like in the art side of things that i'm thinking of there's like art the art there's video art which i don't know if mm-hmm. you it's like some people would throw it into experimental film but uh 
I don't think that's what he's asking about necessarily. I feel like you know Graham Patterson's made some pretty nice uh, videos, but I'm well, sure I know J- that guy, J- John Sasaki. Uh, sure, this pretty good video art, but yeah, there's lots of uh, people, but who cares? What about uh, <laughs> what about capes? That's nah, not a f- that's not experimental. Um, why not? Well, how about this running on empty? What about it? Do you, you own that too? No, I don't actually. If these things were all on the Criterion channel, I'd watch them. Like uh, I just know that today. running on empty has been it used to sit in like dollar bins for a very long time. Hmm. But uh, I've never seen it. Why didn't you buy it when it was a dollar? I because it looks boring. Mm. Does I mean, that have? I, I know. I know. I know. It's got Judd Hirsch. He's mm. like, he, he's close. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, yeah. He's pretty close to. Elliot Gould. River Phoenix? Dead? Mm, he's not as Elliot Gouldy. I mean, a bit, okay. but yeah. not as much. Hmm. Okay. So, wait. I know everyone wants me to watch those movies, but, like... Yeah. But how? Just tell, tell me a place... Time and place, my friend. Okay, can you meet me at the overpass at midnight? Do you know where the overpass is, Jared? <laughs> no. So when uh when I went to junior high, there was this uh, overpass like a little bit away from us where it like go over the highway, yeah. And that was where we'd always tell people to meet. It's the gum. It's, like, it's the gummo bridge. Yeah, yeah. It was like if you needed to fight someone, it was like you go to the overpass. Or if like, you know, if you stole the teacher's chair and you wanted it back for like a quart of vodka, carton of cigarettes, you'd be like, all right, Mrs. P, you meet me at the overpass at midnight. Bring the stuff. Give you your chair back. Hmm. You ever do one of those? I can't say as I have. Well, what, I mean, what are what are you even doing then? I don't know. Think. Welcome yeah. back, Jackson. Welcome. Yeah, back. welcome back. Hey, are uh, fans out there doing the uh, creeps challenge that Jackson set out for everyone? People still doing that? I, I hope. I I did the <laughs> movies I haven't seen. Good. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I got that going for me. Okay. I figure it's like, oh, it's the first month. Usually, people abandon things like that real quick. It's like yeah. letterbox challenges all the time. Yeah. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Next up, Sam oh. Sanchez. Ooh, baby. Drew McIntyre is your Royal Rumble winner. Who is that? The guy I said would win last week. Really? Yeah. Did you rig it or was it just that obvious? It's that. Well, my at the time I said, well, Drew McIntyre, because I, I could give less of a shit about him. Uh, mm-hmm. than anybody I suppose so why not Drew McIntyre I, he's so boring and of course that's how that company thinks so huh so I'm looking at him and he looks a little he's, bit he's a big he's a big oaf he's a, he's big, a big guy yeah he's really big he looks a little bit like some other wrestlers I know yeah they all it's almost as if long straggly hair beards mm-hmm. big chests mm-hmm. yeah kind of looks he's like Scott, me. he's Scottish I mean he's got that going for him yeah I mean, his his muscles aren't as defined as my mine are, but they're close. Right, yeah, he needs some work. Yeah, people uh, people were thrown for a loop last week. They were really off put by my appearance. It sounds like. Oh, we'll get. Well, we can talk about that. Uh, yeah. Let me finish, finish up with Sam. Okay. First question: How excited are you? Jokes aside, that is actually who I was hoping would win. Even though Jarrett seemed less enthused about that possibility last week. Just mm-hmm. curious if you or RJ actually watched it and how it went. Did you enjoy the return of Edge? I uh I could not attend 
uh, not out of lack of want, but I, I actually had something come up, so I, I couldn't attend the, the Royal Rumble party. But uh, I hope you did. I did not. Uh, no. I, I was uh, uh, hip deep in a board game, uh, mm. a, a massive board game called Gloomhaven. Uh, oh. Bought that, cracked it open, and spent mm-hmm. the next three hours uh, punching out cardboard, out of cardboard, and buying a uh, a separator for the inside of this box. This thing's 22 pounds heavy, this this game. There's a lot of mm-hmm. content to sort through. So I was doing that. Um, Bobby mm-hmm. was keeping me abreast of the... Uh, the happenings of the mm. of the big thing. So I I did get a play by play of Brock Lesnar doing things and, and then Edge appearing, which had been long rumored. And mm-hmm. uh the night before uh I was talking with Corey and I mentioned that uh my my prediction that Drew McIntyre was gonna win the Royal Rumble just based on how I couldn't care. And mm-hmm. uh then I was like, you know what? Edge is gonna show up and when they do, somehow WWE is gonna blow it. They're gonna shoot. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they always they always mess up something, and sure enough, apparently they they didn't miss him actually coming out and crowd the crowd reacting. But he came down to the ring, and when he delivered his first spear, they just cut away to the crowd, <laughs> and I'm like, that's that's just what they do. Mm-hmm. They're terrible. I mean, it seems like that's something that people would want to see. You think so? But Is apparently they're gonna, they're gonna fix it uh, for the permanent record. Re-edit that. Uh, but, um, but yeah, that those were my thoughts. <laughs> so I, I didn't really look, but what it's not, did Brock Lesnar come out first? And yep. then just like, did, like the next 10 people to come, did he just toss him, suplex him right out of the ring? Uh, yeah, he just like, no, he beat them out like in like whatever, 20, 10, 20 seconds. Then he stood around for like a minute. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's kind of funny. And he did that for like 14 people. Ah, <laughs> uh, I think, I don't know. That's kind of fun. I like yeah. that. Yeah. Why not? Why not? Why not? Why not? Why not? Do you think anyone thought that was going to happen? Uh, I I mean, if you would ask me, I'd say, yeah, that's what Brock's going to do. He's just going to smash dudes for like as long as until they eliminate him. Because he's not going to mm. – I didn't think he was going to win that because obviously yeah. Drew McIntyre was. But, yeah, that's what they do. That's how they book things in the most predictable way kind of. And mm. not in a fun way necessarily, but uh, – th- That sounds fun to yeah. me, that part of it at least. Uh, Sam continues. Oh, yeah. Only other thing was response to Justin's question about best movie of your birth year. I always considered mine a bad year, uh, but it's actually pretty solid. I was born in 86. Some movies such as Blue Velvet, Aliens, The Fly, Big Trouble in Little China, Righting Wrongs, Little Shop of Horrors, Manhunter, and RJ Mm -hmm. Pick, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. So not too bad, it (sighs) seems. That movie sucks. We've all agreed that, right? <laughs> right? Uh, well, no. Uh, Justin was like okay on it. Like he he thought it was a goofy movie. Mm. But uh, mm. yeah. uh, also was unaware that my age was somewhere in between the both of you. Oh well, yeah. I mean, it's he before me, but everyone would be after you. What was your birthday again? Nineteen fifty-two. Yeah, yeah. So there's not going to be a lot of people who beat that. Maybe. Maybe Frank, he might be older, but yeah. I, I don't know. All right, you know? keep it up, guys, and <laughs> keep pointing to that Criterion logo way up high as we lead up to mm-hmm. WrestleMania. Maybe that could be our end game. Ra- Whoever wins out of the podcast. WrestleMania? Yeah. Oh. Well, 
whatever. Look, look, at, look at that under what? the right, right under, right under the clock here. Just, Justin Peterson. Oh baby, he made it. He made it. Comfort quotes and cars. Mm, okay. What does that mean? Let's find out know. together. Oh. Ugh. Gross. Hey, Jared and RJ, and possibly a guest. Right. Remember that, RJ? Remember when we were going to have a guest? Uh, I didn't even know anything about it. I still don't. Is there a guest on right now? Uh, The listener. They're, oh. but they're mute. What's okay. happening? With I mean, cold and flu season running wild in my house right oh. now, mm-hmm. what is your favorite comfort movies to watch while you're under the weather? I have an immune system made of steel, so I rarely get sick. But the next time I do need a comfort uh, movie, I think I will go with Dan Aykroyd and John Candy in The Great Outdoors. Hmm. Just as like a sick time comfort food? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Man, I do have sick time comfort food movies, but I'm not the... Uh... I don't. I can't well, think of them offhand. The, Do you the, have any? Well, the last time I was in the hospital. Oh uh, right. I was uh, watching Friday the Thirteenth movies. <laughs> That's not super comfortable. Then I though. watched. Uh, what else did I watch at that period of time? Yeah, horror movies. I'll watch horror movies. Hmm. Makes you really would... aware of your own mortality of watching other people get just dismembered and tortured and beaten. Mm. I think uh, one time I was sick, I watched all the Indiana Jones because I was like, that's that's fun. Mm-hmm. Right, Jer? You ever watch those Indiana Jones? While sick? Yeah. I don't think so. Why not? I don't know. It didn't occur to me. I'd say movies like that fit in there more for me because like, when I'm sick, I don't want anything too serious. So like, maybe Indiana Jones or T2 would be about as serious as I think I could get. Right. Because it's like, it's got story, but it's also like you don't have to, you can just watch, watch the spectacle. Right. I guess others. You know. I, I mean, if I was going to make suggestions uh, or things, because it's been, a, I don't get sick that often either. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Wes Anderson. Yeah. Yeah. Wes Anderson stuff, like Royal Tenenbaums. Uh, Miyazaki. Mm-hmm. Watch some cartoons. Watch some cartoons. Hell yeah, yeah. Miyazaki is good for that. Real good. Yeah. yeah. What about um your favorite movie, Vanilla Sky? That movie would I you, saw once in theater. Would you watch that when you were sick? No. <laughs> I mean, any Jim Carrey or Adam Sandler movie would probably fit, right? Right. I think so. Yeah, yeah I think that's our answer. Okay. Or, you know, other answers. Goat movie question uh, of the week. Okay. What are your favorite movie quotes of all time? Since RJ is a big Sopranos fan, I am sure he likes... Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. But for me, I'm finished, which is the last line of There Will Be Blood really hits the spot along with I drink your milkshake. Uh, That's a good one. If you drink the milkshake up, that is. Um, My favorite Sopranos quote, Jarrett, would be Gabagool, (laughs) as I'm sure you were aware. Is, is, Is that a quote? Yeah, they say that like countless times in that movie. Gabagool. Uh, favorite quote to Jer. Wrecked him. Damn near killed him. You know that one from Men in Black mm-hmm. too. Good stuff. Good stuff. What about you? Uh, I know yours is probably something real weird. Big gulps, huh? <laughs> that one, that's good. I'll give you well, that. See you later. <laughs> well, see you later. 
That whole movie, pretty much, right? That whole, mu- yeah, that whole movie, pretty much. <laughs> cardigan. It's a pullover, but uh, or <laughs> pull over. It's a cardigan. But thanks for noticing. <laughs> Killer boots, man. Look at the look at the ass on that hose hound. Is <laughs> ooh, that would be yours. Don't yeah, you have a? You must work out. Yeah, you must work out. So basically, our our answer is Dumb and Dumber. Yep. As a uh, catch-all. <laughs> nice. Nice. I think that answers... Samsonite. Oh. Samson. I don't know, Lloyd. The French are assholes. <laughs> We're there, man. I'm not really a car guy, but my favorite oh. vehicle I've ever owned was a yellow Jeep Wrangler. What is your favorite dream car? Also, what is your favorite car movie? Off the top of my head, I would would have to go with Gone in 60 Seconds. Thanks, guys, and have a great show. Thanks, Justin. Uh, do, you have a, do you have a favorite dream or favorite or dream car, RJ? So favorite that I've had or dream car? Uh, either, I guess. I mean, my dream car would just be teleportation so right. that I wouldn't have to drive anymore. Jaunting, like in The Stars of My Destination, that book you haven't read. Or The Jaunt, that Stephen King story. That they're trying to make into a movie, which is ridiculous, because yeah. that makes no sense. Right. Uh, no, yeah, we just like to travel at the instantaneously. Is yeah. my answer. Uh, is in terms of favorite cars, I once drove this uh, Chevy truck. It was this this wide boy double cab. That thing really ripped. Got a lot done in that truck. It's good stuff. What about you? Um. I'm, trying, I'm just thinking of a, what would be the vehicle? Oh, how about a Probe 16? A Probe? I, yeah. Uh, we're, we're, I, I believe it's referred to as a Durango 95 um, in the film Clockwork Orange. Hmm, let me see. Dur- oh, in a Clockwork Orange? Durango what? 95? Yeah, that's what they call it, but I believe it's called, it's actually a M505 Adams Brothers Probe uh, 16. The Probe 16. Ooh, fancy boy. Dang. Why, why not? I, I, I don't even know mentally what it looked like. I just like, I'm thinking of like uh, them being rear projected driving it. It looks kind of like, it's just like a real squiggly line. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty crazy little car. What about, um, <sighs> holy what about shit. A- what? It's only 34 inches high? <laughs> nah. well, I mean, Jared, it's hard to do, but uh, some of us out there are. Did you get that? Uh, I'll, I'll pretend I didn't. Um, What about a Ford Fiesta? That seems more your speed. <laughs> yeah. Make mine Toyota. Toyota. What are you... Uh, Maybe people should just walk. Favorite car movie. Is that his question or is that you? That's his. What about the car? The car? No, I actually don't like that movie very much, but. <coughs> okay. Is yours just cars or baby driver? <coughs> hmm. I'm looking up car movies because I know there's an easy answer to this, right? Well, what what details a car movie is it that there's a car in it like the french connection because right. you know what the you know what the obvious answer is it's got a car here. chase but american it? graffiti is the obvious answer how about uh death proof american graffiti is the correct answer 
What about Duel? Ooh, uh, fuck. What about Joyride? <laughs> candy, candy Cane. Candy, candy Cane. Ooh, gross. What about Maximum Overdrive? It's not bad. Uh, sure, pal. I thought you liked Maximum Overdrive. It is good, but yeah. it's kind of a... Uh... I'm trying to find it. One sec here. I got what I about got Drive? Well, oh, actually, uh, probably one of the best car chases of all time, though, I think. Seven Ups from 1973. With like the, from the Seven Up movies? Nope. Not to be confused. Oh. I don't know what it is in, and I'm not going to look it up. Fine. What about Death Race from 2008? No. <laughs> what about Gone in 60 Seconds? That's a good show. Hmm. It is. Hmm. It is. I remember uh, actually really liking, because maybe because of where we live, when I saw Fast and the Furious in the theater, that mm. that, that movie uh, was pretty pretty cool uh, in at the time of its release. Mm. And and then all I remember is in this in our part of the world, people got really dumb driving for the next <laughs> like year. Mm-hmm. As soon as you got out of the theater, it's just people revving like their Toyota Tercels, like or like Honda Tercels, like driving like a firefly uh, in the parking parking lot. That's a good quote. My my mom gave me a dollar and dropped me off in the parking lot. You remember that one, Jer? You remember Rain uh, Rain Rain Man? Do you remember Wayne's World? Yeah, yeah. That seems to come up often on this show. It's got good quotes. You should rewatch it. When did you try and you didn't like it? Or well, was that I, I, I haven't. I haven't watched it forever. I never liked Why it, not? though. I never really was crazy about that movie. Is it because you're a bad guy? or There's something about seeing Michael Myers walking around in underpants that uh, just just doesn't do it for me, you know? I am so... there's That doesn't make sense. You don't like good Canadian boys in underpants? No. Underpants. Not Mike Myers. He's like fake Canadian now too. Uh, he always, he wears a Toronto Maple Leafs jersey sometimes when he goes yeah. places. Yeah. Allegedly. I think that's it for emails. Okay. Thanks everybody. Yeah. Hey RJ. Yes. I didn't really watch anything, but Why not? Uh, I don't know. I did watch What Did Jack Do? What did he do? I don't know. I thought it was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't like it? No. Why not? I, it felt like a parody. It, it felt like uh, mm. David Lynch was like making like it was like someone making fun of David Lynch and his style. Only mm-hmm. he's in it and he made it. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it not that's I, disappointing. Yeah. yeah, wasn't a fan. Was not. I a liked fan. it. Yeah, I just like at some point just kind of had it on and it was just playing. Mm-hmm. And I went and did. Like, I was just on another tab doing something else, and I go back. And I'm like, oh, this is still happening. It's still. Still doing its thing. You can't believe it. Dude doesn't even like Dutanabon. Crazy. Yeah. But, yeah, that's what I watched. Wow. Cooking Big, uh... cook, cooking, and that. Well, you're a go-getter, Jer. No. But what did you creep on this week? Uh, Stuff. Cool. You ever you ever heard of science fiction, Jer? I have. See, I'm still... I, I'm... I'm building the show up a, a case for criterion to give us some money look at look at all the good press i'm doing i watched only movies from the criterion channel this week jared huge huge so i watched a uh, dark star by a uh, creep alum friend john carpenter 
Do you know about Dark Star, Jer? Uh, yeah. Yes, I do know about the Dark Star. And uh, it's uh, John Carpenter's first debut. His his debut itself. Not his first mm-hmm. debut, but his only debut. All Systems Snafu. Uh, yeah. I didn't know that this was a comedy. Oh. Because oh. I didn't really look into it. I just knew people were like, ah, Dark Star is just something that he started out with and it's nothing crazy you know and i was like all right i don't know anything about it so what are you gonna do now i know dan o'bannon is in it yeah that's something he's a he's a guy he's a guy uh i don't even really know what to say about dark star it's like three guys in a station and they're like dropping bombs on places and then they pick up an alien that's just a beach ball and it has feet and then it, it turns into like slapstick comedy for a while. And that's it. Like, that's all this movie is, right, Jer? It's uh it's a couple buddies getting together, yeah. making a making a sci-fi movie with, yeah. some, with some jokes. Yeah, there's a it's stuff that uh I guess we've mentioned before, maybe comedy doesn't always play, but like this early seventies indie comedy where it's like I don't know. The guy's rotating in a room and the beach ball is following him and it goes on for like 10 minutes. You're just like, ugh. You're like, on with it. Move on. Uh, and then there's guys. They're all doing stuff, kind of fighting bombs. I don't know. I don't think. There's not really a whole lot to Dark Star, to be honest. I didn't find it. It was completely forgettable and I don't even remember what happened because I, as soon as, I think 20 minutes in, I tuned out and I, I was like, I don't care. You know what I mean, Jer? Yeah, that pretty well summarizes my experience watching Dark Star, probably 2010 or so. And because uh, I was like, oh, cool, John Carpenter, science mm-hmm. fiction. This is going to be cool. This is going to be great. No. <laughs> yeah. It's got some fans, apparently. But I don't even. I, of I, what? I, what, what? What is there to be a fan of? They must be from the irony crowd or something like that. Yeah, an older generation of the irony crowd. Anyways, you know who's not in the irony crowd? Yul Brenner. Oh, yeah? Because he's all man, Jer. All man. You ever heard of The Ultimate Warrior? Uh, Yeah. A he's film. A, he's, he's a good wrestler. <laughs> of the future? Bef- previously. Do you think, is that why Ultimate Warrior was named Ultimate Warrior? Was because of this movie? I know at one point uh, Ultimate Warrior was part of a tag team with Sting, and before he was called Sting, and before he was Ultimate Warrior, they were the Blade Runners. Just tell me about Ultimate Warrior. Oh. Oh, hi. Hello? Hi, Bagul. <laughs> He's back. See, you you said we were maybe gonna have a guest on, and then our our show goes straight to shit. <laughs> what's the last what th- you did? What's the last thing you heard? Uh, I said, is did Ultimate Warrior get his name from the movie? Oh, you you missed me saying how uh, he didn't get it from the movie, but he was part of a tag team with Sting, and they used to be called the Blade Runners. So there's got to be some kind of connection, no? Or did, like, has he ever said where he got the name Ultimate War? Or well, he just thought it was cool. I don't know. He's dead and an asshole. So who cares? He so, was an asshole. Oh yeah. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah. He was a hey, piece, do you know he was, about? He was a piece of shit. Anyway, yeah. continue. 
You know about Enter the Dragon, Jared? The Bruce Lee movie. Mm-hmm. What yeah. about Game of Death? Yeah. What about Jim Cotta? Black yeah. Belt Jones, The Big Brawl, Deadly Eyes, Bar- Darker Than Amber. Do they the all do they all pale in comparison to The Ultimate Warrior? They all pale in comparison. Uh, no, so Robert Klaus did that. So I watched this thing because the post or like the picture is Yul Brenner just like real imposing. I was like, ooh. And I saw Max von Sydow was in it too, and I was like, ooh shit. I was like, why not watch old uh that lanky ass motherfucker. I no one's emailed in about his reach, his wingspan. So I'm still uh I have no idea. Um okay, here's the here's the rub on this thing. It's a future where it's actually 2015, New York. Uh plague, famine has wiped out the world. Uh and the only people who survive now are like roving packs of uh fighting men. Um it's how it's pretty much described. So Max von Sydow has like a, a little camp with people, uh, but they don't really have any fighters. Uh, and then one day they come across Yul Brenner and he's like, he's just like presenting himself. Uh, <laughs> and Max von, like, that's all he's doing. He's just standing there. And Max von Sydow's like, so I guess you're a, you're a fighter. And he's like, well, we can pay you in like cigars and like tomatoes or something. And Yul Brenner's like, okay. So then like Yul Brenner's just the fighter for these guys. Uh, and then you find out that Max von Sydow's like, listen, I got this like baby and this, my daughter's got a baby and, uh, you know, you should get her out of the city. He's like, and that's what I want to pay you for. And Yul Brenner's like, all right, sure. <laughs> but before that can happen, <clears throat> they run afoul of some, uh, really long haired eighties, like, uh, hair metal band gangs that go around killing babies. Um, Ooh. it's, so there's a, there's some weird stuff. The movie that's actually has cool. like. The movie's got a nice opening. I just didn't like it because it was a. Uh, if you saw my meta tags, uh, it's it opens up with just like a bunch of pigeons, and then it's like homeless guys just catching pigeons and putting them in a sack to like eat them. Yeah. And then these hair metal guys come in and kill them, and then take the pigeons because they're like, we're gonna eat these pigeons. Mm-hmm. So, uh, like that stuff, like the way it started was actually kind of cool. I was like, ooh, neat. And then when Yul Brenner is fighting people, I was like, ooh, neat. Uh, but then. Oh, and you know Canadian icon Stephen McCaddy, Jared? Yeah. Yeah, he's in this bad boy for a while, too. You remember him as Night Owl in the Watchmen movie. Uh, so he he's there with his lady, and the lady's kind of crazy. She just had a baby, and she's like, the baby needs formula. So they, like, go out out of the compound to get it. And then Stephen McCaddy's like, he's like, you crazy old bitch. He's like, you can't take a baby <laughs> out here. Uh, and then you know what happens? Hmm. The baby gets kidnapped and it's used as bait to lure Yul Brenner out. And uh, Yul Brenner goes out there, and then when he gets there, the baby's just dead. And uh, so then, so this and is then a nice Yul... like seventies dead baby. Yeah, it was like, well, there's like, oh, you don't see it. There's just a lady like holding it, and she's like, is dead. And then Yul Brenner does this really cool thing where he closes the door to where the lady is, and then he like fucking punches through it so that it's open again. And you're kind of like, whoa. What are you doing, you old Brenner? That was a weird move. So then he fights the hair metal guys for a while, and then uh, and then eventually he gets everyone out, or he gets that one lady out. It's kind of like on the run now, like the road. Um, that's uh, that's it. Huh. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I honestly, great, I, I I never really see this talked about at all. Yeah. Uh, I don't think there's anything like super notable, like unless you were. 
Well, the highest I, rating it has on my letterbox is three stars. Yeah, I think that'd probably be fair. I wouldn't. I don't know. If you were really into 70s sci-fi, you might like it a little bit more. But uh, everything I just explained to you, I thought was like the best parts of it. So okay, I don't know. It's it's not bad. It's just there's nothing like outstanding to it. So so then, Jared, you ever heard of a movie called Logan's Run? I have. With the star of Austin Powers, Michael York. Yeah. You remember him as Basil. Michael York. And and Jenny Gutter. Who? Jenny Gutter. Who's that? Uh, Star of Walkabout. Mm. What was she in Captain America, the Winter Soldier? Is she like his girlfriend? What was she in Avengers? Like his girlfriend, his old girlfriend. I don't know. What was she in Dark Man? I don't know. And Child's Play Two, and American World. Well, I will remember an American World from London. What she, was she in The Snow Goose from 1971? I, I don't know. So, anyways, oh, she, was in, she, was, she was in a movie called Dark Tower from 1989. That's got a pretty sweet. The Stan Brakhage film. No, not that one either. Hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I wish I think everyone should make a Dark Tower film, and they they just make their own version of whatever that means to them. Be it a board game, a Stephen King mm-hmm. novel, um, a Stan Brakhage film, Sex Move. Go on about Logan's uh, Run. Uh, so, what do you know about this? I'm sure you watched it when you were like four years old, and you're no, like, oh. I, I watched it for the very first time in April of 2016. Oh, so that would have been like. Just before we started podcasting then, hey? Yeah, yeah, a few months or, before. Yeah. Well, shit. What do you think of this movie? It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. I uh, See, the thing is, though, these movies kind of blur. And I'm trying yeah. to remember, this was a carousel. This one has carousel. That's right. pretty cool. Does this have the Iceman in it? Yeah. Okay. Jesus. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, this, this I, thing... I fucking remember. That's like kind of my takeaway at this point. Yeah. Kate Logan's run's got like a lot going on, man. A lot. It's uh, again, it's okay. Uh, I think it's more than. I think what it kind of probably influenced is more than it is itself, if that makes sense. Because there's some cool sci-fi stuff in here. I was like, I don't know if it did it first or it did it better or something. But I've seen this in other movies now. Uh, it starts with Carousel. So when they turn thirty, they all go into Carousel and then float up, and they either get recreated or they explode uh i thought that was cool like the people floating up i was like "Ooh, that's neat uh and then i liked the hedonistic uh world where it's all just uh like just mass orgies and they're like oh and i was like yeah that's, i was like that's pretty cool i guess why not? why not um and even the idea of like the uh the people running and um fuck what do they call him man what is, what is he called again Logan. Yeah. Uh, like one, uh, well, no, no, not like his name, like his role. He's like a, like he catches them, but it, there's like a specific name for that. It's, I don't know, like a runner or something. It's something like that. Fuck. Whatever. Who gives a shit? Yeah, so, because, yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a pleasure plant. It's a pleasure society. It's, it's pleasure a, planet. It's dystopic. Um, yeah. 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 There's no Soma, but uh, Farrah Fawcett is there. So that's cool. Yeah. yeah there you go. Um, 
and they all have like a beaded like a jewel in their hand and it shows what age they are right. and they wear the colors. so like when they're green they're young and then when they're close to 30 they're red mm-hmm. and then so it's like when you're 30 you die so i don't really like i don't know like the intent here so like they they Logan has a few years left and they like speed him up and they're like, we want you to run to see where the runners go. And it seems like they, they want to, but then it kind of also seems like they don't like when he comes back, they don't really seem to care that much. They're like, did you find it? And he's like, no, it's not out there. And they're like, Oh, uh, uh. and you're like, all right. So, uh, they convince him to run, but, uh, one of these guys has never ran before. What do they call him again? Man. Okay. It doesn't matter. It doesn't. Uh, so, I, I just kept thinking about how much better uh, Minority Report is, where they, uh, where she screams "run" at him. I was like, "Ooh, yeah!" I was like, "That scene is better than this movie," but for no other reason than that. Um, so he runs, and he he gets in with, with like other people who are running, and then one of the other catcher guys is like after him, and then it, that's where it gets into like even more wacky stuff. So they find like the Ice King, and it's a it's like this robot, and he, he kind of looks like um. You ever heard of Damon Lindelof, Jarrett, and his new hit show, Watchmen? Yep. That uh, the new Rorschach looking glass, this guy kind of looks like that. Like he's just got like a, a chrome face that like reflects stuff. And you're like, cool. And uh, he's the Ice King. And he's like, I'm going to freeze you and you won't leave ever again. Yep. <laughs> Ice King. Uh, but they get away. And then they get out into the Savage Lands, uh, the Marvel trademark Savage Lands. And uh, they meet an old guy. And they're like, wait a minute, you can't be old. The people told us that no one can ever be old. And he's like, well, I don't know what they told you, but I'm old. So there you go. Uh, oh, one other cool thing is that you get a body melt in this movie. When uh, one of the uh, guys does try to run, a robot just melts his body. And I was like, that's kind of cool. So anyways, they meet this old guy and he's got like 50 cats. Uh, so that's kind of endearing. He's got a bunch of cats and he, he's like, cats are awesome. And they're like, what's a cat? And he's like, it's awesome. Look at it. So uh, that goes on right. for a while. In the, like, uh, in the library? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, it's like the Congress library or right. like yeah. something like that. Uh, I guess this takes place in D.C. Um, and then uh, their plan is to bring the old man back and be like, hey, look, you can get old. Crazy, right? Uh, before they do that, there's a fight in the library where uh, a couple actual cats get uh, punted pretty, pretty good. So you're like, oh. That's not good. It's not very good at all. It was like they were just talking about how much they like these kitties. They don't get like punted, but like they're there's like at least 50 cats in there. And then Michael Rourke and that guy are fighting and they like knock tables over. And like they're like there's one time you see a cat just like fly out of frame and you're like, oh, I, I, I don't know if there was anyone there to catch it. You know, Jer? You know what? I'm sure the cat's OK. Maybe, but maybe also probably dead at this point. Well, and that's 40 years ago. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's okay. Like it's got some cool stuff. Like I said, like people melting carousel is cool. Um, it's got cool ideas, but, uh, in this, uh, new world in this new Trump America world, it's like Logan's run is not that. Not that sensational. You know what I mean, Jer? I hear ya. So it's okay. You gonna, it's, uh, what? You going to watch Rollerball or anything? I would if I have enough time, but they're only on for like two more days. Is Rollerball so. actually on Criterion? 
Yeah, it's in the. Okay. Well, it's in yeah. this thing. So yeah. I'm Ooh. guessing they're all going to leave as soon as the month Ooh is boy. over, right? Oh, boy. But Bagul really what? wants to talk here. Uh oh. Can you hear me at all? Yeah, I can now, but. It seems a little touch and go, but. Okay. Well, I was just going to say that rollerball's on there now, but I, I'm guessing it's going to be taken off. So there's like, there's like two more I want to wa- check out and then I'll be done. Okay. So that's it, man. Nice. Yeah. And like I said, just what did Jack do? That's all I had time for, sadly enough. It's fine. Sometimes you get busy. <sighs> See, next time I'm busy, you, you, you can be like, oh, that's fine. I got, I got Not yell. Heavy, I have to do some heavy lifting. Just, I'm telling you it's okay so that next time it happens by me, you won't yell at me and berate me but and I, like call me dumb. But I will. Don't. Uh, you got any news, RJ? Hey, did you know that there's going to be a movie called Fat Man with Mel Gibson as Santa Claus? Nope. I did not know oh. that. Walton Goggins just signed on to be the lead, apparently. What? What? I know. I feel like I saw this somewhere and I was like, I was like, oh yeah, that's what I want. But mm-hmm. when I saw this, I was like, wait a minute. Walton Goggins, Mel Gibson, Fat Man. Oh my God. So uh, that's cool. I read uh, today, apparently, Kobe Bryant, he's going to be making the o- Oscar death reel. Well, I mean, he won an Oscar. So. He did, which I did not know. I learned yeah, that. Yeah, that was like two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, first so, I was like, are you kidding me? And then I'm like, oh, he actually did win an Oscar. Yep. And they're like, yeah, we can get those ratings. Mm-hmm. People tune in just to see his like still photo. Uh, did uh, did it send a uh, shock through uh, your channels, the, the death of Kobe? I will admit that uh, when I saw that, what was that, Sunday afternoon? Mm-hmm. Uh, popped up on my Apple events or whatever news feed. And I just see Kobe mm-hmm. Bryant dead at 41 in helicopter crash. I was like, what the fuck? Like, mm-hmm. that, that was like surprising. I mean, could I, do I know what Kobe Bryant even looks like? No, I, I had never seen <laughs> him. I've, I've never seen him before in my life. <laughs> you nerd. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh I, my uh, God. So that's, a, but you felt a, the, the cultural well, uh, weight I, of I, the I, situation. I knew it was going to be a big deal for people. There's like people mm-hmm. die all the time, but uh, that guy is for his uh, for his athletic accolades. Age, mm-hmm. it was like, oh, people are gonna be upset. They're gonna be very sad. Yeah. So that's well, about I mean, it. And, and I, I mean, it still it keeps going. People keep talking about mm-hmm. it. And then there's the uh, contrarians that pop up and say he was a rapist. <laughs> and then people get mad. Oh, they get so mad. This is not the right time. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. I've, I've got nothing in this race. I got nothing. I don't care. I, yeah. I'm, I'm just walking away, backing off, let people, I have nothing to gain being involved yeah. or having an opinion on it. So, uh, it's, uh, I'm still yeah. pissed that, uh, uh, Brad Renfro after, uh, he killed himself or died of a drug overdose. He didn't fucking wind up in the Oscar death reel. So whatever, I guess. Wasn't there a, who is that other one? Tons of people don't make it. Like it's such bullshit. And of course, Kobe Bryant though. Oh, we better include him because people actually care. They don't care about other actors. You know, what's even bigger is, uh, did you know how, you know how they killed, uh, Mr. Peanut last week? Oh yes. I see that they're going to backtrack that because it's too close. 
Well, when I saw that, like, I was like, oh, they'll just bring him back at the Super Bowl. Super Bowl's coming up. And then I saw the thing is like, they're going to pull it from a Super Bowl. I was like, I mean, I don't think anyone is equating Mr. Peanut to Kobe, you know, but maybe they are. Maybe they are, man. But uh, I felt it in my world. A lot of people were. Uh, I bet. Well, you do those. Uh, you're not, you do that March Madness sports. gambling. So, I mean, you actually probably know about these people. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I know Kobe. I've known him forever. I mean, I call him at home. I talk to him on weekends. Did. Uh, you did. I did. Yeah. No, I like when I heard it, I was like, oh, shit. I was like, that is pretty sad and then the more that you heard you're like oh, yeah. Ooh, oh shit. and his daughter man yeah. and seven other people and well, you're these, like oh these, well, these people you know like eh. yeah whoever these people are so i mean it's really sad but at the same they're, they're, time they're, they should be lucky it's like being buried alive with the pharaoh you get to die right. with someone more important than you and, and accompany wow. them in the afterlife so that they <laughs> they have a uh... oh, wow <laughs> what i, mean, I... what Nothing, what? nothing. I, huh? here, here's the thing. Huh? I think it's sad, but I didn't know the guy. So it's like, cause <laughs> people are like, I cried. It's like, why? It's like, did you know him? Like, was he your, like, do you know what I mean? Like, I know he's this big cultural thing. I mean, I was pretty upset when James Gandolfini died, but that's, yeah, that's a whole other. Yeah. I mean, Co- Kobe Bryant has never, he, he's never going to reach the heights for me of like a Philip Seymour Hoffman or a Phil Hartman. Big, 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 big James. Uh, there's a couple other people like the, the ones where you're like, when you watch a movie again, you go, oh, fuck, they're dead. Or like um, Chekhov's kid um, from Green Room. Anton uh, Yelchin? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Anton Yelchin's pretty sick. He's, yeah. He's, yeah. I think, I, I don't even know if he made the death reel. Uh, he might not have. I remember like, that. Like yeah, like, he was he was tight. Like he he came in right under the wire, and he didn't he didn't yeah. make that cut. And they're like, "Oh, sorry, kid. Better luck next year." Hey, uh, do you want to hear a morbid joke about Kobe that I saw on the internet from a a, a friend I know? Should you I tell you was it from not you? a joke? Was it, it wasn't your joke from, me. from a friend. It wasn't from me. Yeah, it was on. I got a Snapchat from someone, and it said "too soon." And then uh, I don't know if I should. I, it wasn't me. Someone, they were like digging in their kids' toys, and they pulled out a toy helicopter, and they went Kobe, and I was like, whoa! <laughs> but uh, I, I could the, see the, yeah, I, the the morning period is brief. Yep. Well, I I knew you would laugh because you're you're making uh, similar jokes, so <laughs> like in a sense. Anyways, Oscars, hey, those are coming. Hey, hey who do you got in the Super Bowl, Jer? Um, Kansas City or San Francisco? 49ers? Why do you say? Because uh, I know the name of that team. Well, the other team's a little controversial, Jared. They're the Chiefs. Some oh, people think that's a little insensitive. That's not yeah, That's not very Not as bad as the Redskins, though. 49ers, baby. All right. Let's do it. I, they're they're a bigger franchise. They're like kind of like Yankees level to me. I see people wearing 49ers shit all the time. So yep. let's bring back that dynasty. I want more dynasties. They used to be. Whenever I think of San Francisco, I just think in uh, in basketball. You know when they go to San Francisco. Uh so we're not on Spotify anymore. What's that about? Um, terms and conditions. They don't. They don't uh-huh. want. They don't. They don't want to be in the creep business anymore. So you know what I say? Fuck them. Fuck them. And if you were listening ch- to us on Spotify, uh tough like that's it yeah it's not up to us I'm, 
I yeah, I mean, same with me, man. I don't know. I I don't do any of it, or, or I mean, I do all of it, and it is very hard for me. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, what are you gonna do? It's like they took it off, so it's their platform. We're, we're available on like nineteen other things, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. Go on one of those, I guess. Do whatever you feel like. I don't. Yeah. I don't know. We're not here to tell people what to do. Live right? your YOLO. Yeah. Oh, what did you say, Jer? YOLO. Hey, I had a uh, a friend of the show comment that uh, they don't want to hear you say go for a poke anymore. Really? I'm not even kidding. Someone someone reached out to me and said, <laughs> "Can you can you ask Jarrett not to say that anymore?" And I realize in me saying it, you'll probably yeah. say it even more now. But yeah. I just wanted you to know that it's not just me you make uncomfortable. It's actual strange <laughs> other strangers too. Strangers. Strangers. Strange people. I- I mean, they've written into the show before, but uh, okay. I'm not going to out them. Well, I can't promise. I just want you it, to know. Definitely is, it definitely is in my viewing proximity to Deadwood where uh, it will come up. Going for a poke? Yep. Going for a poke. There okay. you go. What did you say? Going for a poke? Okay. Is um, that Jared Duncan over there saying that? No, uh, I, I, I was you. I was just uh, clarifying. Uh, uh, other thing. So uh, last uh-huh. week, some other news, some housekeeping, I guess. Uh, could have sure. talked about this at the beginning of the show, but we're going to talk about it now. Uh, YouTube sure. comments. Uh, oh, sometimes they can be like kind of uh, life affirming, positive experiences. Sometimes negative. Did did we get more negative ones? Because I feel like all we get is negative, Jarrett. Well, we had some decent ones. Uh, last week, we actually posted a video of ourselves uh-huh. uh, unboxing our gifts from Justin Peterson. Yeah. How did that go? Uh, a lot of people talking about our fa- seeing our faces, the, the, the curtain has been lifted. Uh, one mm-hmm. here, I just can't imagine RJ's voice from that man. Is that a good thing or a bad thing, do you think? I don't know if I'm comfortable with this. After a couple of hundred episodes, my imagination has created Jared and RJ so clearly in my mind. They do not look anything like this. <laughs> uh, see, what I want is I want drawings. I want drawings of what people thought of what we look like. And even Hey, and if you haven't watched the video, you still don't know what we look like. Maybe you should uh, d- draw. Draw what you think we look like. It would be wonderful. Then maybe that will wind up on a T-shirt, RJ. Uh, that's maybe, I think that would that, be terrific. Maybe, maybe that's a contest. What What did you think we looked Is like? Is that the? That That'd be great. That would be the. Oh, you still there with me? Yep. Oh, okay, maybe that that's the real big boy ride. I think uh, that should be. Here's our first official creeps contest. Uh, draw what we look like. And as Oliver Granger pointed out, he's one of the sad bastards that uh, unfortunately had to look at us once and already ruined his opinion. Yeah. But wasn't he also the one who uh, confirmed that I'm not a huge fat guy? Did he though? Allegedly. I don't want to. Someone I, did. I don't want to rule out that drawing. Oh, right. Well, I mean, if that's the image people have of me, that's fine. I, I would really like to know what these other people thought were. They're so shocked and appalled that uh, just by looking at me. I don't know. Am I unpleasant to look at, Jer? On the other side of things, of, of you know, of a positive experience, uh-huh. there's some, like, people coming out of the woodwork <laughs> just this last week just, just talking about, I don't know if these people are real or not. Uh, people didn't like our views on the life and death of Colonel Blimp, a movie I haven't thought about since uh, recording that episode. 
quote. What? I thought I was positive about that. The ignorance and philistinism of this podcast is astounding. Are these people high? Why don't they get go out and get real gig economy crummy jobs? This was followed up shortly thereafter, like two hours later, from another user on Life and Death of Colonel Blimp. Jared and RJ voicing any opinion of Michael Powell, Emmerich Pressburger, or their film Life and Death of Colonel Blimp is grotesque. It is like the Beano criticizing Shakespeare or Dickens. Like the who criticizing them? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I don't really see the problem. Uh, I don't think the, the, life and death of Colonel. The, the, yeah, this and that was followed up by uh, like the next day or something like that. Uh, uh, a review here of the podcast, a comment on Four Hundred Blows. Our good friend Four Hundred Blows. Oh, this film analysis is the bad. Uh, I can, I can. That's fine. I appreciate that more than the people who are trying to like to prove a point on something. Yeah. Well, you know, you know what I mean? But see, it breaks my rule of if you're going to like shit talk, be funny. It, mm. Be mm-hmm. constructive or be funny. I, you know, make me laugh. I've kept some really funny ones before, thoughtful ones, but mm-hmm. these just seem lazy. And it's just like, nah, you know what? Delete. <laughs> Yeah. And I wonder Yeah, if those like, are uh, pretty yeah. outstanding. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I oh, wonder it's like I, just a constant stream. Oh, the internet. Yeah. Oh, anonymity. I would have never thought that uh, Colonel Blimp would have had champions of, Ooh, as such. I I was positive about that movie too. Yeah. I I said I like Yeah, I don't know. Like Europe during like post World War Two was like like who gives a shit? Come on. Or during Come World on. War Two. Sure. Or at any of. point of World Wars. All those World Wars. Before, after, during. Yeah. Oh, I think Bagul's hitting us pretty good, man. I think so. Uh, I think it's time to move along to the body of this show. And after the break, if we can. If we can. Uh, after the break. The silence that falls upon us from Skype and Bagul and Bergman after this. Pictures 
brings to audiences this his most stunning film, The Silence. This compelling drama is an intimate, fascinating look into a world where people seek to communicate through the ruthless gratification of their sexual appetites. Starring in a brilliant portrayal of the delicate and complexing intimacies of lesbian love, Ingrid Tulin, and as her sister, a beautiful, arrogant creature of the flesh, living only for lust and licentious pleasure, Gunnell Lindblom. Two women traveling through a strange land, a strange existence where they find loneliness and a desperate passion. Few films in the history of the cinema have created the stir and controversy this film has raised by giving a long, searing look into the mute hearts of those who indulge their carnal fancies. The Silence. And we're back. This is the Criterion Creeps podcast, and tonight we're concluding our discussion of the film trilogy by Ingmar Bergman, Spine 208, with these final two entries in that box. Number one, The Silence from 1963, mm. directed by Ingmar Bergman. And the tagline for this film, RJ, mm-hmm. Bergman at his most powerful, shocking, bold, all, all of those individually or all of them in combination with each other? We'll, we'll find out. Okay. okay. Traveling through an unnamed European country on the brink of war, sickly intellectual Esther, her sister Anna, and Anna's young son, Johan, check into a near-empty hotel. A mm-hmm. basic inability to communicate among the three seems only to worsen during their stay. Anna provokes her sister by enjoying a dalliance with a local man, while the boy, left to himself, has a series of enigmatic encounters that heighten the growing air of isolation. The what? <laughs> uh-huh. So I've seen this film before, RJ. Much oh, yeah. With, with, with the rest of the films in the trilogy. Uh, mm-hmm. I watched these three or four years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, my my star rating on Letterboxd uh, at the time looks like it was a four-star affair. Wow. So I was like, oh, cool. I mean, that's pretty high considering I don't specifically remember very much about this movie four mm-hmm. years later. So mm-hmm. while jumping into this, uh, it started to come back to me a bit by bit. Um, we, we open up with a scene inside of a train car. With mm-hmm. our uh, the, the two sisters, the adult sisters, and uh, the younger sister, uh, her uh, young son Johan, and 
they're having a sort of like they have a, what seems like a kind of a strange distant relationship. Uh, mm-hmm. They don't have like a real sisterly relationship. Maybe some relationships between sisters are like this, kind of distant. Sure. But they don't. They, they, at times, you don't know what they are. Are they sisters? Are they friends? Perhaps lovers. It it doesn't quite feel uh, like a really strong relationship one way or another. Mm-hmm. Except that there seems to be disdain. So maybe that's a strong relationship. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. I knew coming along, though, that there was something about uh, a sequence involving tra- something on the train and looking out the window and seeing toy train or toy tanks kind of marching along. And I thought, always remember that being like this really kind of neat shot. And uh, this young boy looking out the window after, and it's like, oh, like they're little toy train or toy tanks. <laughs> Jeez. Um, mm-hmm. One after another in this kind of rear projection kind of thing. And because they're marching into this like unknown European land. And this seems to be kind of a, a European cinema thing. There's like the Lars von Scherer movie, uh, Europa, uh, mm-hmm. that has the same kind of vibe. Um, and then even when Wes Anderson does sort of a, a European film, like a Grand Budapest Hotel, there's uh, hotels, grandiose hotels and trains mm-hmm. uh, just in even like genre schlocky stuff from the seventies, uh, tra- trains and hotels are bound and weird, weird RJ, as I'm sure you'll talk about sex stuff. What about hot dogs? Is there any of those? Uh, not so much on the hot dogs. Are you sure? Well, in the things I'm talking about. Uh, okay. Yeah. There's some weird sex stuff, but, uh, I, I don't, I don't want to give you guys a hint at what I'm going to talk about here. <laughs> So why don't you uh, why don't you keep going? Okay, so they arrive in this, uh, as described, unnamed European country, which I believe is actually referred to as Tomoka. It's sure. just, but it's not any particular place. The language is kind of uses the traditional alphabet, bit, but the words are nonsense. Lots of X's and C's and O's. Is it Eastern European? Hard to say. Are, are these the streets of uh, Sweden redressed? Who knows? Mm-hmm. But uh, they can't understand. Uh, what the people are saying and the people can't understand them. The mm-hmm. uh, Esther, the sister, she apparently is a translator by trade. Um, and she mm-hmm. has, and she has no idea what these people are saying, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. And uh, but she, like one of her side uh, hustles here is going to be while she's uh, lying in bed, uh, terminally ill, sick, sickly it's... ill. It's, it's never really, She's sick. She's sick, and but, it's taking, yeah. and there's no like she's and she's staying sick, and it seems like mm-hmm. it's been something that's been going on for quite a long time, and it seems like it's really flared up since coming to this place, and so to give her time to rest, they have uh, holed up in this uh, this hotel in the middle mm-hmm. of this town uh, where tanks roll down streets in the middle of the night. There's a lot of uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Um, one, one of the things I was reading about the production element of this, I guess uh, Bergman's inspiration for this came from travels of his in post-war Europe. And this, I think, does feel like it could be any city anywhere in Europe in the like kind of imagination of a film goer who hasn't actually ever gone to these places. This did feel like it could be anywhere. And I mean, for me, like I'm not from Sweden or anything like that, but I feel like if I went You're anywhere, I, I know wild, right? Oh, weird. Uh, this could be any place, any country. It doesn't really mm-hmm. matter. It, it, the idea is that like you're in a place and you're kind of cut off and isolated. So 
on the flip side of this, we have the goings-ons of Anna, who is the, um, where, where Esther is sort of the reserve, quiet, uh, intellectual uh, mm-hmm. sister. Uh, Anna is the opposite of that, um, sort of buxom and w- w- wanting uh, mm-hmm. and kind of resentful of her sister and this sort of like relationship where they're kind of stuck together. And I guess there's also this uh, element of her kind of being uh, shackled, I guess, t- with this son this child of hers that she has to like <laughs> kind of care for, but like kind of absentmindedly, like it's kind of like an adornment that she has that every mm-hmm. once in a while it's like, Hey, rub, rub uh, wash my back. Come li- lie with me in bed. <laughs> and, uh, mm-hmm. just, just a little pal, mm-hmm. but when it's time to go out and walk those streets and, uh, see what sort of, uh, actions going down, what sort of attention she can get. She's like, see you later, kid. <laughs> have, have fun in the creepy hotel with the midgets. With the what, Jer? <laughs> the short people. Oh, okay. The little, yeah, I... the, the little European short people wandering okay. around. <laughs> Sure, if you say so. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, the there's some interesting reads of this film I was coming across. Uh, Woody Allen apparently thought that he viewed the movie as uh, Esther and Anna are the same person, and that's and it's like this sort of a uh, allegory, I guess, or uh, and then it's about one person and their like mental state of uh, sure. Which I don't know if like there's a lot of evidence to me. Uh, in the film about that, but it does kind of make sense in this sort of like very polarized view of these two women. It's something that mm-hmm. like you probably could imagine Woody Allen. Uh, maybe this is the way he draws up female characters. Because uh, then, mm-hmm. and then there's Johan, mm-hmm. the young boy who's watching this transpire. <laughs> yeah, there's a. I mean, I guess you could make that assumption, but or like you could say that, but. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's just Woody Allen, like talking out of about himself, you know, perhaps maybe. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, so the movie, this movie is definitely the most peculiar of the three films, uh, through Mm -hmm. a glass darkly and winter light. I mean, winter light is extremely straightforward through Mm -hmm. a glass darkly, uh, still feels very much like a Bergman drama. This feels almost like an experimental art house film at times where uh, mm-hmm. there, there, there's like, it, it, but it has a naturalism to it. Um, sure. It's beautifully photographed and the it's, you're obviously watching like a story play out. Uh, there is like, there is a narrative, but it is like very much uh, a lot is left for the audience to kind of like plug in and fill in some of the elements of what's going on. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think when I first watched this, I thought that was really exciting and interesting because I was like, wow, this is like feels more, I don't know, like feels more <laughs> like a David Lynch movie or like a, like a movie from like that, the, the, the sort of stuff that like they start making in the 70s, mm-hmm. uh, the, like with like kind of weird vampire, like lesbian movies. This this feels more like that or like a, like a Just Franco movie rather than an Igmar Bergman movie. Mm-hmm. So, and I do believe that there is a couple things where he talked about, uh, for Bergman, a man who, uh, didn't really ever talk about sex really in his films mm-hmm. or depict it. He starts, uh, he starts nailing that here. He, he starts, uh, bringing that in. Uh, where does he say here? Uh, a quote here. He told all oh, his good, close personal friend, 
Vilgot mm-hmm. Hulman, that mm-hmm. he converted the characters to female, because originally they're men, because he was afraid that the part was too close to himself. While Bergman said he was previously shy about sex in film, he decided on a more explicit approach in this film, out of a desire for viewers to feel, to sense my films. Which one was he? The uh, the the real sexed up one or the, the dead one? Uh, probably the dying one. But maybe the other character would be the one that wants to... Uh, to go have an affair with a, a waiter, have having a, a dalliance. I feel like he's all three. He's he's like the shut in. He's mm-hmm. the sex freak, and he's the little boy wandering the hotel drip. Right. Have you ever heard of uh, something well, so shocking? So I guess the original idea was uh, a throat infection distracted Bergman from developing a story idea for a fairy tale film about a princess and a devil. And during recovery, he conceived the idea of travelers visiting a foreign city. Initially, the two main characters were supposed to be male, which I am assuming they would not have a young boy with them or daughter. It would just be the two men. And mm. then it developed and then flipped it around and probably just kind of went from there. Isn't that what uh, Pan's Labyrinth is about? <laughs> that exact same thing? Foreign cities? Yeah, a princess and a devil. Oh, and uh, mandrake roots? Sure. sure. That's in this movie. Like, yeah. she's sick, right? Right. Yeah. So uh, another thing to bring into this, because uh, we're kind of bringing up this so-called trilogy, which uh, mm-hmm. is, this ends well. Uh, again, all from our good, close, personal friends of Wikipedia. Bergman mm-hmm. writes, these three films deal with reduction. Through a glass darkly, conquered certainty. Winterlight, penetrated certainty. Yeah. The silence, God's silence. The negative imprint. Therefore, they constitute a trilogy. He later retracted his claim the films form a trilogy. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I mean, only in only in title, but this thing doesn't even really need to be called silence. It could just be called like slut babies <laughs> or something like or like yeah, big so it, big booty mamas or something. It is a curious title, The Silence, because like so because like, the previous two films there is like these like obvious moments of like the spider god and mm-hmm. the, the absence of uh, God, of God. And the exi- silence. And existing yeah. in that world. Okay. Uh-huh. This film has nothing to do with that theme. I don't no. Think, I don't think at all. I think it is about, I mean, it's about like kind of, um, I guess, the silence between people or between these uh, wants and desires of these characters. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what it is. So I find it like a stretch. I th- I think to call this mm-hmm. a trilogy, it's like oh here's three films he made back to back there. But I, I think honestly, like, most people think about it that way too. No mm-hmm. one's going to be like trying to hammer home that there's anything more to it. But hey, I'm sure someone there's, will. So, there's someone who's going to write that dissertation somewhere out there. on our. It'll be on our YouTube. Yeah, page. They'll, they'll, Some... they're, they're going to be real mad. They're going to. You're all going to be mad. It's okay. Mm-hmm. No one cares. They say well, actually, no and then cares. they'll go into detail. Yeah, yeah nobody cares. No, yeah. I like the first two. Go pair well together but yeah other than the title of this thing i don't think there's any like yeah there's they're quiet and then in the next film he talks about he's like yeah i want to make more quiet movies no. but like i didn't think he meant like three that went together i thought he just meant in general you right. know so i mean there, there's things though that i think create uh i'm not sure if they're necessarily the beginning of it but these thorough lines of these really intense familial relationships having these blowouts and confrontations Mm -hmm. and like attacking each other on this sort of emotional uh psychic level where it's like hey i'm gonna fuck this guy now 
And what do you think about that? And then sister's like, oh, I still love you. She's like, fuck you. <laughs> I hate you so much. And I'm going to, this guy mm. is just going to start mauling me. He has no idea what we're saying because we don't even talk the same language, but it's not about that. Uh, and then she starts, yeah. So that happens. Banging on those uh, bed frames. And um, they yeah. were doing what, Jarrett? Banging. On. Is this the movie or is this you just talking? <laughs> this is the movie. It's hard. It's hard to d- discern which one is which. To be honest with yeah. you, people can't see the <laughs> the things coming out of you right now. It's right. um, it's unpleasant. Yeah, unpleasant. But so, what 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 do you think about that? Like this, like because like, we see like I, I mean, films, I think like, everything you've Persona, said is Autumn Sonata, like we see these like really intense moments play out, and like when we see Esther uh, alone in the uh, in the bed, and she's mm-hmm. kind of uh, attempting this uh, monologue and talk, and then she starts gasping and choking off this cough. Like that seems like horrifying. Mm-hmm. And like she doesn't want to die because now she's being left behind. She's going to be. Uh, we're going to continue on. We can't wait here any longer. And uh, you'll get better. You can catch up with us later. I'm going to go free myself from you for a little while. Maybe that's it. It's hard to say. And uh, we have her like that. That seems grueling stuff. And then mm-hmm. and then we and then uh, yeah, she's like no one's around for her. <laughs> And then Johan and Anna take off the, the letter that Esther's written him that begins to Johan, words in a foreign language. Because in her time that Esther spent here, she's been starting to translate uh, mm-hmm. the languages, the language, this whatever weirdo language that these people mm-hmm. speak. That he then. Swedish? Re- <laughs> Gobbledygook. Okay, yeah. And uh, he's, he's able to read this. She doesn't care. And. Uh, that it kind of ends on this ambiguous note. Another ambiguous note from these uh, three films. Mm-hmm. What do you What do you think the ambiguity is? What What's its purpose? Yeah, is it just to fuck with you? I think that it is a. I mean, if you take this thing as this idea that this the one side of the intellectual being able to understand their circumstance against the one that's like experiencing the world through a physical experience, I guess it like sure. lends itself that the intellectual is actually going to be able to explain itself. Mm-hmm. and be known and uh even if it's like this boy who like has a sort of a kind of a distant relationship to his aunt but also wants to console her and be near her and they're both vying for her for his attention the the letter is something that he can read and then he connects to and then the emotion has no interest in that whatsoever so i don't know it's i don't think there are there is an answer and, and hence the movie doesn't have an answer so it's silent yeah, it's going to continue being a uh, a silence of a, an absence, an absence of communication hmm. because it's frustrating. Hmm. So anyway, I find this a fascinating movie. Sure, uh, RJ. Well, mm-hmm. I don't know, RJ. What what did you think of uh, the silence? You, the silence directed by Ingmar Pervman. Yes, as your yeah. little box review mentions. Hey, that thing's blowing up. People are outraged, not just by what I look like, but uh, about the hot takes that the people can't seem to handle. Um, I was blown back by the amount of gratuitous sexuality at display in this bad boy. <laughs> oh, why, why do you laugh? You, you, he, see, he doesn't. He's watching all these like weird sex things. Like, what did we talk about last week? That was you were just like, oh, I've had an interest in this, and I was like, oh. 
Do you remember? We're, Some kind of porno. We were talking about the pornographers two weeks ago. Oh, maybe it was that. Oh, yeah, that's what it was. And you were talking about making your own doll. It was bizarre. <laughs> Any, anyways, maybe that was off air. So, uh, no, I don't actually think that um, Emar Bergman was a huge pervert. I think a little one, but who isn't, right? Who isn't, am I right? Yeah, I was just surprised because, like, like in that quote itself, he was like, well, I didn't really do that. And he was like, so I really spiced this one up. And I didn't realize that was coming. So when I, when I just saw, you know people straight slamming i was like whoa i was like this isn't what i've come to know in my bergman films uh so i was a little bit surprised by that um i think this movie has uh some really charming parts to it uh i think it's good i think i still kind of like winter light the most and i would put this one and um through a glass darkly kind of they're pretty pretty equal to me like all all three of these movies like we mentioned they're not like uh i don't think they're actually that connected but i think all three of them they're all good movies. They're all good shows. And I think they're all right around the same bubble. Like, I think you could flip a coin for which which one someone is going to like the most and which one they're going to be like, ah, whatever. Um, I don't feel like that for any of them. Uh, there's some things that I like. Like, I like the little boy in his, like, Forrest Gump-esque, like, travels through the hotels. Uh, because I was like, didn't, like, isn't a lot of this stuff about him because like, I know Fanny and Alexander uh, is a whiles away, but yeah. like you know how that movie's about him. I kind of when I was yeah, watching this. Yeah, no, you can't help but think that with this yeah. stuff. Yeah, so like whenever I see a little boy, I'm like, is that him? And uh, like he doesn't really. There's nothing like too out of the realm of like things that could have possibly happened. It's like maybe he was a little boy in a hotel and he just came across a room full of like traveling performers that were also little people. Could have happened. Or maybe he could have saw this old dude slamming down like lettuce and hot dogs and uh, in like this corner of a room. Uh, it actually makes for like there's some pretty like like uh, striking images where it's just like this little boy like in these huge hallways or like yeah. against the wall. You're like, ooh, that's cool. Um, so I like uh, I like all the adventures. And then, yeah, he really gets the 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 short end of the stick where his mom's like, go, uh, go to bed. We're having a nap. And he's like, you can tell he's just like, it's like the middle of the day. He's like, why would we have a nap right now? She's like, go to bed, do it. And you're like, oh, she's that mom. I can, I see a little bit of a, a little bit of Woody Allen's like alleged theory. It's like, it could be one person. I don't think it's trying to be like that, but I could see like who are writing the story. It's like, they're two individual people, but it's, it's just like how say I feel in two different senses. It's like, okay. Uh, I relate more to the sickly one uh, who just like, she's got a lot of quotes about like, she's like, I really wish I could just die at home in my bed. And I, I was like, feel yeah. like most people probably watching Bergman films are going to relate to her. Mm-hmm. Which people relate to the other sister people like you. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. And that's fine too. <laughs> nothing wrong with that uh yeah like i don't think she does anything like wild she like tells more like the worst thing is she's her just like uh not you know taking care of her kid so that's kind of a bummer but hey there's that old man at the hotel he'll uh he'll help you out Mm -hmm. He'll, he'll fix him up uh what else was in this thing that i liked i really liked that guy eating the hot dog i thought that was funny i wrote my first I don't, I don't really take notes anymore. I just write down things I want to take screenshots of. But one thing I wrote apparently was the horse is unwell. I think there's a really like thin horse in this movie like at the start. 
like it's pretty emaciated and i was mm-hmm. like oh man it's like that horse ain't doing too well what's going on berg get him some hay do you think people ever called him berg the berg the berg because he's like you see a little bit up top but there's so much going on underneath do you get it i i know uh, no so so anyways i like the adventures of the little kid uh you have some really nice images uh just him kind of like walking around and the one that i really like is when he's looking at hot dog man and uh it cut, cuts back to the little kid and it's just him like small and it's the huge wall i was like that's neat i like that uh i like hot dog man um and i do like i i do relate to kind of like what you brought up uh, all the sibling like like squabbling a little bit it's like i i have three siblings things weren't always hunky dory there were some uh some pretty uh there were a few times you know not everyone got along all the time uh was it to this extent where one person was dying and the other was out partying nah but i mean we had stuff similar to that so i i do see i get that part of it it's like yeah man it's kind of like what having siblings are like sometimes they suck sometimes you're like hey get out of here but then other times you're like yeah we're this is good we're back to we're back to normal (laughs) did you ever um spy on your siblings like uh, the lady did in this movie. I don't. I, no. I realize now that that's a bathtub thing, but I just meant in general. Yeah. Did you ever fight with your sister, Jarrett? Um, not in any meaningful way. What about like physical or emotional? I mean, as adults, or like, or any time in your. Well, I'm sure. As, I'm sure as kids, fight. everyone fights because yeah. that's how kids are. Um, but as an adult, no. I think I think we're on the same page uh, yeah. as people for the most part, so uh, it, it does not come up. But I do know uh, other other siblings' uh, relationships are not so easygoing as mine. Yeah. Uh, my family all get we all get along pretty good now. We all like each other, but N- uh, now, <laughs> I, well, yeah. Uh, I mean, growing up, I was the youngest. They used to beat the shit out of me all the time. <laughs> <laughs> or or they like, and that's what I mean. It wasn't even just physical. Like one time, and like my brother brings it up all the time because he's just like, yeah. And you're, he's like, you're a little little wiener about it. And I was like five years old, so I was like, of course. I think I was actually eight. But like one time, he just like tied me to a chair and put me in the closet and put a, like a put a, a Jamaican flag over me and then left me there for like like three hours. And I was like, I was like, that's not good. Wow. So yeah, that's pretty bad actually. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, I th- I thought it was pretty bad. And he was like, oh, whatever, whatever. <laughs> He's like, it wasn't that bad. He's like, look, it's made you better today. I was like, not really. I was like, I'm full of problems. I got a lot of things going on bad in there. My body's just rotting. <laughs> You've seen my diet. You know yeah. what's going on. And now you can't stop going to the washroom. I, <laughs> I, I'm going right now. This isn't a chair. It's a toilet. Custom. Jesus. Anyways, what, what was I talking about? It's like a gamer chair. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah. So I like the sibling things. I'm not like, I understand like, uh, the appeal to the story where it's like that, that like loose carefree person. That's like, whatever, I'm going to do whatever I feel like. It's like, I'm going to go have sex right now in this church. Cause it's dirty. What do you think about that? I'm going to go to the cabaret and there's going to be some, yeah. somebody, some people, uh, pounding. Yeah, and he's like, what do you think about that? <laughs> and it's, like, it's the uh, European way. It is. It's bohemian, Jarrett. I um, 
I see why people include that in stories because there's a lot of people that are just like that. But uh, personally, I've never really un- like I don't do anything like that. So I don't even I can't even live vicariously through this lady because just watching it. I'm like, hmm, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> so uh, my suspension of disbelief is just zero because it's like we're not just like, you know what I mean? Hey? Right. I'm, I'm just like, it's not what I like. So right. I don't know when the story's like kind of rooted and it's. It's like, look at her. She's carefree. I'm like, well, she could maybe take care of her kid, you know. But, <laughs> but it's like I said, I know those those are just real people in the world. So it's like, what are you going to do? Right. But and, I, I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one, one thing, another uh, thorough line here of some Bergman is uh, no one ever wants for anything, you know. They've got all the money they want. They have like mm-hmm. they have resources to stay in hotels endlessly and be like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, that's just how life is. Hmm. Is it though? No, no, it's not. But in in the world of uh, privilege and Bergman, which uh, mm-hmm. just continues on, but no one cares about that because it's art. Well, Jared, art isn't real. It's not. I've told you many times. When are you going to figure this out? Mm-hmm. So, where do you rank this one? Is like, is it still your favorite? You mentioned that before all the rewatching. I find it the most interesting for me. I, yeah, I, like I said, like I said, it 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 kind of uh, reminds me of films that I like. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess probably more uh, because they're uh, yeah, they're more just direct, like kind of more. They have a little bit more genre elements where this is just very much is seated in kind of Bergman's uh, drama drama mm-hmm. dramaturgy, uh, yeah. his his mode, and uh, I think he's done better films. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think than all three of these films. But uh, I would say, I mean, uh, I think just as we talked about last week, Winter Light's my least favorite just because of the subject matter. I just, mm. I, I don't connect to as much. But yeah, they're mm. all three very well-crafted movies. And I think I might, I might still give this the edge, mm-hmm. possibly. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're all kind of, uh, if they're, they're things to recommend about them. Hey, you know, it's kind of neat. What? You and me have like the opposite opinions. And look, we're not yelling at people on the internet. We're not yelling at each other that we're, your your ignorance is just blinding. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Well, we can get along. We'll, we'll see if uh, we can come together on the, the final piece of the uh, this box set. I don't spine, think that'll be a problem. Spine 212. Ingmar mm. Bergman makes a movie released in 1963. Directed by Vilgot Hjorman, director of the I Am Curious Blue and Yellow films. Uh-huh. The synopsis from the letterbox. The year is 1961, and Igmar Bergman is making a movie. While planted on the scene as apprentice to Bergman, Vilgot Hjorman, director I Am Curious Yellow, 1967, mm-hmm. suggests to Swedish television that they take the opportunity to record with the acclaimed director. In August, Hjorman and the television crew begin to capture what would become a comprehensive five-part documentary on the making of Winter Light, offering views of script development, set construction and lighting, rehearsals and editing, as well as intimate conversations with Bergman and members of his cast and crew. Footage from the film's Swedish premiere delivers immediate audience reactions and the critics' <laughs> reviews the following day. So, RJ, I've never seen this mm-hmm. before. Uh, oh, good. So I just want to throw a few things. Uh, number one, I love making of documentaries. Oh, we I, talked about it the last like three weeks in a yep, row. I, I love these things. Uh, yeah. They're 
I don't know. It's a great it's a great tool of finding like learning about uh, how movies are made. Um, mm-hmm. So like yeah, I've a lot of my some of my favorite documentaries are making of. I've never sure seen I've never seen this before, mm-hmm. uh, and I was wondering why that is. And I think there's two things. Number one, uh, Ingmar Bergman is not one of my favorite directors by any sure. means at all. Like he's uh, Fanny and Alexander, I think is an incredible movie, incredible movie. And I mm-hmm. would definitely watch a making of, of that or, you mm-hmm. know what though, with that movie, I probably would just watch it again. Um, yeah. and which you'll have to eventually, eventually I will have to for sure. Mm-hmm. And the, the big thing though, I think is I don't find Igmar Bergman that interesting of a director. I mm-hmm. in fact would say that, the word boring <laughs> comes to mind when wow. I when I think of Bergman as a person. As a person, yeah. I, I don't think he's a very interesting person. I mean, if you think about like the the directors that have made good subjects, Werner mm-hmm. Herzog. Uh, let's mm-hmm. see, Werner Herzog would be one. Francis Ford Coppola. Uh, just going through my mind. David Lynch. Sure. Jodorowsky. Terry oh, yeah, Terry sure. Terry Gilliam. These mm-hmm. are people that like they're eccentric. They're fascinating people. You put them in front of a camera, and or, uh, Miyazaki. Miyazaki is a great oh. like piece of uh, yeah. subject matter. Like he's just like he's always saying interesting things. He's very quotable. Mm-hmm. Um, Ingmar Bergman. Nothing has ever suggested anywhere that this guy is like going to be like a a lively human being. He is a. Yeah. And this documentary shows he is a reserved Swedish man mm-hmm. who is very thoughtful, uh, clearly intelligent. And, but at the end of the day, does that make for a, an interesting subject? Just Ingmar Bergman, ta- Ingmar Bergman just talking. My, my, mm-hmm. my review, my one word thought here is ugh to describe my experience watching this two and a half hour film which is in fact mm-hmm. five episodes that aired in 1963 which apparently was aimed at an audience uh of people who did not know how films were made which mm-hmm. is fair i could probably in 1962 or three they did not know very much about filmmaking and so this mm-hmm. idea of like going through the whole process of talking to a director not only a director but also for swedish television swedish sweden's like greatest film export they're mm-hmm. like this, like Ingmar Bergman at this point was like a superstar and getting this opportunity to like get behind the camera and talk mm-hmm. to him in depth where the camera just constantly zooms in and mm-hmm. out mm-hmm. of his face over the mm-hmm. shoulder of Vilgot Hillman mm-hmm. um, for like a half hour. That's what, that's, sure. that, that's what happens. Um, sure it is. Maybe toward the end, you get a little bit of like costume fitting, uh, and just like talking about like the ideas of this of winter light, which again, mm-hmm. probably not my ideal subject matter film because it's like it was my least favorite of the trilogy. But hey, mm-hmm. a, a good documentary is a good documentary, and that this is not, I don't think at all. <gasps> I I think that shocking. This is aged really badly because making of styles have evolved so much and they don't feel like they have to explain every single element. Like the second part of this, uh, Mm -hmm. filming part one is just goes through the entire process of blocking a scene for Mm -hmm. like a a half hour. It's just the same scene (laughs) going with the actors, shutting up the microphone, doing these rehearsals. And then Mm -hmm. on the first take, we got it. It's like, but it's not really the first day. It's like they did like 12 practices. It's like, Mm -hmm. but uh, 
this it's just like holy shit and it looks like <laughs> watching this off the dvd it looks bad uh-huh. like it's very like the the, the picture quality is muffled it was like whatever probably 16 millimeter they shot on this so it doesn't look great and i i think vilgot human is a, not a very good filmmaker i think his sense of pacing and editing are terrible um there's stuff in this that i was just like flabbergasted by where there's the scene where I think it's the beginning of the post-production. So this is the fourth part. They're showing like editing. And I'm like, I love the conversation of editing. Uh, one of my favorite books, The Conversation, mm-hmm. Michael Adanchi uh, interviewing Walter Murch is an entire mm-hmm. book about film editing. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome book. Watching this discussion where, <laughs> Hey, we were doing a film. We could actually show you examples of the film of, being cut and like what the differences are. No, what we're going to do is we're going to show a little (laughs) bit of that, but now we're going to show you Ingmar Bergman's head again, because Mm -hmm. this is literally talking heads over and over and over and over again. And Mm -hmm. holy shit, this, this thing killed me. I, 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 I couldn't, Uh I I just couldn't believe how. Did you do it in one sitting? No, no. Okay. I, I did this like three Force hittings. Yeah, I I got her into. Uh, I tried to do it in all in the whole one, but uh, well, time makes fools of us all, you know, Jer. Yeah, I uh, I mean, I have to say too, like I barely even finished this. I once we got to the premiere and like audience reactions and stuff like that, and like, what do you think mm-hmm. the critics are going to think? And what do you think of the, the critics? And you're like, yeah, who cares? Like, do we need a half hour discussion about how people are going to receive this? Like, no. I don't know. No, not at all. Like so, the, my the one thing I come away from watching this mm-hmm. is uh, his cinematographer Sven uh, Nykvist, amazing person. So there's like a couple things in this where I'm like, holy shit, that's like that's all I want film. Where did that go? Does does anyone do this like in movies? Probably some people, but there's like the bit where yeah. they're talking about building the the church set, mm-hmm. and. I, and uh, there's a thing where it's like, so the cinematographer, he went out to churches and he was doing like, you know, whatever Polaroids of the light in a space every 10 minutes over the course of three hours. So he would know how to light it over the course of the period of time in which they're mm-hmm. in that first church in winter light. And I was like, fuck that attention to detail. Oh, <laughs> I want it so bad because now we just color correct everything and everything looks the same. No one cares what time of day it is. No one cares. Mm-hmm. No one knows if it's like 7 a.m., 4 p.m., 7 p.m., what time of year it is. No one cares. These guys cared. They thought about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Brett Ratner might be checking oh, lightning. Oh, I'm sure lighting. he does. He's, he seems like a kind of guy who's uh, got his finger on the pulse and checking out that fine, fine detail. And even when they're in the... Um, the like little film booth kind of like testing out the footage projecting on the screen just to see how the editing is going. They have a guy go up to the screen to do a light metering of the wall to make sure that the projection of the light is similar to how it's going to be projected in a theater. Mm-hmm. This just made me laugh because when I go to the theater, the, the movie's like dark underlit looks like shit. And people are like, these theaters are charging like, you know, premium money for b- badly projected films. Just like mm. this idea that someone's going through all this effort to make sure that the light and exposures are all proper. Oh, well, my heart, is, my heart. Is that what you would do? If I was a cinematographer? Yeah. Yeah. I'd just probably wing it. <laughs> I'm sure Roger Deakins thinks this way about like everything he does from crap to the uh, highest up. I'm sure. Like, 
I bet he wings it too. Right? But, I mean, I don't know if there's a reward for being this thorough, especially nowadays. Mm. Well, I don't know. The uh, the only guy I know who does it would maybe be Yui Bell, and uh, he gets rewarded pretty pretty frequently. Yeah. Yui Ball? What's that guy's name? Uve. Uve? Uve Ball. Um, so anyway. Yeah, so, so you're th- telling me you liked it. This, hey? was, this was a wash. This is uh, definitely... Uh, I don't know. It's, I'm, I'm trying to think back to that Carl Theodore Dreyer documentary, which was yep. just dull. That at least was not this long. Well, so what we've noticed, we've noticed a little streak here, Jared. Yeah, these, uh, these ma- things are ma- made for TV uh, making of documentaries and the Criterion spine numbers. Not 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 a good thing. This is what you would put in the supplements. And yes. someone who would actually go to Winter Light and say, oh, a two and a half hour documentary on the making of in supplements, you know it, then sure. But, but yeah, when it's actually the spine number, it's like we said, where we kind of split it up. You're like, it'll stand on its own. And it's like, well, if it doesn't, maybe there's an issue with Criterion. And you know what, Jarrett? Maybe there's an issue with Criterion. Maybe they just made a mistake and it was, this shouldn't have been a whole nut number on its own. It should just be supplements, my man. And if supplemental, it also supplements. means skippable for our discussion. Skippable supplements, my man. Uh, so I, I know you really liked it. Uh, <laughs> I thought there were some uh, some funny things. A lot of screenshots about Ingmar Bergman talking about his agony and his loneliness <laughs> and how everything makes him mad. And I was like... I, I relate to you, old Berg. Yeah. I was like, I see where this is like shining through on your stuff. I get it. That's not that's nice. Uh, and then like there were things that I was watching this and I was like, man, this shouldn't be in here. Maybe it should. Like when they're just venting about actors, they're like, oh, actors are the fucking worst. They're like, you got to like you got to like cater them like this and you got to spell it out like that. And it's Bergman and that other that. Swedish guy who whatever whatever he is and they're just like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they're just kind of like talking back and forth they're like fucking actors the worst <laughs> it's like I'm sure that's true but like <laughs> should you be saying that but then you do see like so you know the priest Gunner I liked him in these movies and then watching him in this I was like this guy's kind of an asshole mm-hmm. he comes off like that you're like this guy's kind of a dink he's like maybe he is a me I can see why Berg is like venting about this guy and then he's talking about his thick virile eyebrows which is an <laughs> actual quote and i was like oh i was like why um so that guy was a bummer but you know who was wicked was that uh that stagehand oh the yeah the, at, the prop master was it uh, the, the mozart or the beethoven i can't remember oh that guy's awesome and he's just like walking around and they're like what happened he's like i just got this rare disease disorder well, man see and that's the thing so they explained that in this documentary yeah. winter like but in winter light they don't mention it at all like what why he's moving like that you know what i think that is jer what i think at any given time any kind of church is just going to have people who have club you, you just you just assume like hunchback and notre dame quasimodos types are just present wow. at okay. all times wow hey 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 that's what i'm taking from this criterion collection approved movie because <laughs> it like that's that's what they did right you're like mm-hmm. you can just assume that they're there so there you don't need an answer in winter light is what right. i'm saying but i liked him in this in the documentary because 
he's just telling you his thing. They're like, is it hard to work? He's like, yeah. He's like, it sucks. He's like, my life is agony, but my job is cool. He's like, so I like like coming to work. And you're like, man, what a weird dude. I got to – so there is a scene in this, and I, I don't think it's just my watching. But uh, did you watch this on the Criterion channel or on DVD? On, on my DVD, yeah. Okay. At 1 hour, 42 minutes, and 20 seconds, there is a huge screech, like an audio. Yes. Like, oh, you and know I was, what? Because I, was I, like, what I didn't, the fuck is that? I, I didn't watch it all on my DVD, though. I did watch okay. some of it on the channel because I, I watched it at lunch hour. Uh, yeah. And I did. I, there was, yeah, there's horrible screech while, during an interview. And I went, what the fuck? Well, yeah, because, like, I was, like, watching and it just, like, it like it shocked me because it was so loud and yeah. like out of nowhere and i was like what the fuck is that and like it was very clearly i was like that's in this that's not like something that happened in my world or my tv or something i was like why would they leave this like i guess they didn't like they wanted whatever was there they didn't edit it out but i was like oh i always assume it's like one of those weird like uh anti-copyright things <laughs> or like fighting like uh yeah throw it in there so if someone illegally downloaded this uh snooze yeah. fest uh they'd be like aha you can't pirate this crap <laughs> they're like we caught you you have the screech yep but it's just in the criterion thing and it's like oh yeah i don't know if it's on the dvd actually but you know what i i'm i don't care <laughs> you're not gonna go and check to double up no no well i i you know i've heard of unprofessionalism before jared but uh never never in my life what's going on over there oh i just seen if i had these on the right ears okay i, di- I didn't think you would notice <laughs> good, good at what hour two <laughs> hey i'm happy to report i have left and right lined up Outstanding. So, anyways, uh, this is a weird thing, and it's like it's like you said, we do it, but I really hope no one else watches this thing. Yeah, this is a uh, very skippable. Very to me, unless you are like if you're writing on Ingmar Bergman or are a huge Ingmar Bergman fan, Mm -hmm. check it out. But like, I honestly, I would I would 100% prefer to read this interview. Like any of this interview stuff, I'd rather read it than watch it. To me, it's just it's so slow and like you would not you would most of the stuff you would cut out at this point. Like, because most people know how this works. it would, yeah. It mm-hmm. translates every in every way. I think it's just aged badly. I think um, more than probably anything else. So watching it now, I just find it. Yeah, there's so many better mm-hmm. examples of this genre that exists. I guess this is the only one that's going to exist for Winter Light. But I'm sure that there's like probably a dozen videos that people have made on Imar Bergman on YouTube that are better than this. That have like oh. great insights or thoughts. Then that, that this has nothing. It's like very like. I don't know. There's like no great insights. Like the discussions about the movies is kind of like it's there, but man, mm-hmm. I don't know. I would I'm, say I'm so not impressed by uh, Vilgot uh, as a uh, as anything. Person? This launched his career, I suppose. That's when he cause uh. he made this, and so he became because uh, he got he got the Bergman rub, as they say, mm-hmm. as someone the, said. The what? The uh, the Bergman rub. Who said that? Me. I said it. Oh. I don't like that, Jared. Got, this movie's got an interesting poster. Liglika Skitar. It's got a man's laughing face with a girl's butt. Um, with a what? Girl's butt. She's wearing like a rat, like a bunny suit, like a little puff cottontail just above uh, her butt crack. Yeah. It's interesting. Cool. It looks classy. Interesting, Jared. 
Very interesting. Uh, what was I talking about? I don't know. Yeah, this thing's like, like know. you said, if you were really into it, go for it, man. I bet you'll, like, I got some good screenshots out of it. I didn't think it was all, like, oh, yeah, there's some the, of the, there's the one there I some sent you that, I, uh, that I think encapsulated it all very nicely. Which mm-hmm. one was that, though? You could have put that on the Instagram. Oh, I could have. But yeah, you, I mean, you, you ignored my gold. Let's see. You, you still can. Bar, bear with me here. We send each other so many things. That's a big, heavy, dead mass of film. Well, let's see. Let's see how my how many likes my hot my hot dog picture only has two likes. Wow. One of them was from me. So why don't we delete it and we'll put yours up there? Okay. I can I can repurpose this hot dog picture. Perfect. Do yeah. over. Do over. Uh, you want to find out who hates? This the silence and this yeah what the hell making a movie okay, um uh, first up we have Murtada Abbas one star for the silence mm-hmm. sure it's visually intriguing but with no characters to relate to and no interesting story all it amounts to is a slow moving film better off discussed than endured see it once if you're a fan of Igmar Bergman however if you've never even heard of the man don't start with this one. Would do you think that there's actually people out there that are starting with this one? I hope not. I don't know how that would happen. I'm pretty sure yeah. uh, Seventh Seal would be the go-to. Yeah, like probably ninety percent of the time. For a second there, I thought you were talking about um, Ingmar Bergman makes a movie, oh, and I was shit. like, well, yeah, no shit, don't start with that one. Uh, okay, what is a uh, Murtada? Uh, here's his their favorite films: Au Revoir, Les Enfants. Okay. Diary of a a Country Priest. That's coming up uh, in like a month or so for us. Yeah, yeah, real soon. Andre Rublev. And then something called Close Up from 1990. Is that a good film? uh, Yes. Uh, Let's look at some other five-star films. Yeah, some good stuff. That's all Criterion at this point. Yeah, everything else is Criterion's too, except for maybe Manchester by the Sea and The Irishman. For five stars. Well, future criterion. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, how about that just being like unceremoniously dumped on Netflix's Twitter account? It's like these are comments as a criterion collection. Sometime this year. Yeah. Like they kind of took the wind out of the sails. Hey, here's some interesting things about Murtaugh. Half star films. The Green Mile. The Lady of Shanghai. Man on Fire. 500 Days of Summer. Robocop. No. No, thank you, Jarrett. No, thank you. Uh, next up, we have Beatrice Folk. Beatrice. One star. Nice. It's a bit boring, or maybe I'm too young to watch this film. That was from uh, like 2014, so like almost mm-hmm. six years ago. And they were using Letterboxd in 2014? Yep. Hey, good for them. Well, maybe they should rewatch it. They're six years older. I don't know. Maybe they should rewatch Green Book, the movie they gave five stars. Or what about Crash? Another movie they gave five stars. Ooh. What about Sid and Nancy? A movie they gave five stars. I see. What? <laughs> uh, like, there's actual good movies in here, but like Chronicle, mm, five stars? Nah. nah. Let's go to these half stars. Dumb and Dumber 2. Okay. Like Mike. I mean, it's not great, but it's just a kid's movie. Titanic 2. Yeah, there's nothing, nothing of quality okay. here. All right, you know? and Ingmar Bergman makes a movie. There are no one stars. There are no two stars. 
Only Great. three. Great. Let's Ro- hear him. Robert Hilton, Criterion Blu-ray, documentary on the making of Winter Light. Much valuable information is imparted on all aspects of production. <laughs> I mean, that's about as clinical as it gets. Yeah. You know? Uh Criterion person, seven favorite films, Seven Samurai, Macbeth, Wages of Fear, With Nail and I. Although they just gave The Exorcist 3 two and a half stars, which mm. is not a very good take. And then, uh, fuck, this person doesn't have a lot of movies rated. Nothing really. Okay. I don't know. They gave Ghostbusters 2 one star. I don't think that's fair. Uh, and we'll go finally here with Amy, three stars. Okay. Interesting doc if you're obsessed with Bergman. I especially like the short discussion about cuts and editing. Very oh. long, though. <laughs> Just like you, hey? Yeah. So, Amy, these are all criterion. I mean, who who would watch this if they weren't? Lost Highway, 2001, Mirror. They just gave Midsommar four and a half stars. Mm. It's not great. Uh, what else we got here? Criterion things. Clute, five stars. That's very good. Hey, look. Mar- Marriage of Maria Braun and Veronica Voss, five stars. Whoa. Wow. Wow. Okay, let's go to these one stars. Weird. Uh, Baby Brother, don't know what that is. Black Panther. And then Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, one star. Huh. Very bizarre. Very bizarre. I don't know who these people are, Jared. I don't know. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know I, what I mean, man? I, I, it's true. I understand. Uh, so yeah, uh, what what did you think of Igmar makes a movie? What, what, oh, did, I mean, was, I was I, it was it did you, was it boring for you? Yeah, I mean, I didn't want to watch this thing either. Uh, there were some of the quotes, I, like I don't know, some of the things he was talking about. I was like, that's kind of neat. I like hearing him talk about these things. It's just it's way too long, and there's so much stuff in there that I don't want to hear about. Well, it's an hour longer than Winter Light. Yeah. Which, I mean, there's the uh, one making of documentary for Devil's Rejects that is as long as this, but it is very contemporary and feels a little bit more, um, I don't know, it just, for modern taste, it makes way more sense to present making of stuff in that way. This doesn't have that sort of, like, lived-in element. Or, fuck, like, the tr- the trauma making ofs are so much better. <laughs> and the, mm-hmm. and that's trauma. What the fuck? Yeah, yeah. Like get out, get the well, fuck out of here, human. Uh, well, you think those Tromo ones are better, but yeah, I've never seen them. Oh, I nice. can't validate that. Yeah. Well, anyways, you know it's it's unfortunate, but what are you gonna do? As we've said many times, just because it's in the spine spine numbers doesn't mean it's it's good. It's true. You know. Well, that's it. We did it. That's Another it. box set. Back mm-hmm. on back on the shelf. Mm-hmm. After the break, we're, uh, we're going to make a behind the scenes documentary about the making of this episode. It's it's going to suck. It's just going to be you doing all those weird sex things. Maybe. Shh, shh, you're all alone. Shh, 
RJ? Are you going to go live in Sweden and be depressed too? How's that different from what we do now? Well, I mean, you'd be in Sweden. I mean, is it nice? What's George Hoshmeyer doing in Lithuania? See if you can hop over and see. Check it out. Yeah. 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 You can email us at criterioncreeps at gmail.com and tell us about Sweden or wherever the fuck you're from. Mm -hmm. We've got a Facebook page. We're on Instagram. We're on Letterboxd. I'm Jared Duncan. He's Barnlow. Mm -hmm. We're on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play. Not Spotify. Not anymore. Next what week. Ab- what about J Date? Not yet. Okay. I haven't been approved. Uh, Spine 213. Holy fuck. Big Dog Lario is back, RJ. Who? Lawrence Olivier is oh. back <clears throat> with oh, his no. pal, Bill, no great shakes Shakespeare, with Richard III. <laughs> are, you, are you pretty jacked for this? <clears throat> for Richard III? Um, uh, mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, there's that, uh, we could watch that Ian McKellen movie too with, uh, the Ian McKellen movie or uh, Ian McKellar, Ian McKellar, Ian McKellar, Gandalf. He's in a Richard the third movie set in 1930s alt, alt fiction, Britain, where he was a Nazi or he's like not fascistic. Apt, apt pupil. Nope. Nope. Richard the third from 1995. Okay, wait, let me look at this fucking thing. I don't believe you. Stars Gandalf, baby. Which Gandalf? The the only one? Which one? Mag- is it like the Mag- number? Mag- Magneto? Is it Richard the Third, as in the number or like the word third? R- Richard III. III. Okay. Richard III. Uh, 1995 from Richard Long Crane. Yep. Shit. Do you think this is on the Criterion channel? Uh, I don't know. Let's go to Just Watch. Let's see if you're on any streaming platforms. Doesn't look like it. Oops, we couldn't find any. So I guess I'm not watching this thing. All right, then. Oh, it's only an hour and 40 minutes. That's not bad. As opposed to Richard the Third, which is like two hours and 35 minutes. Yeah. Well, good luck. And good night. Oh, yeah. <clears throat>